Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 66 of the NFP Podcast, presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFP Podcast is brought to you by Riverside Dodge, the official truck sponsor and dealership of the show, as well as Hooked Up Enterprises as the official in-arena gear of the NFP Podcast, as well as Wrangler, the official clothing sponsor of the show. Wrangler, along live a Cowboys, also Zar Lake, Bullerama, can't forget the boys in Zar Lake. The two-time event of the year and reigning event of the year. We'll get to all that stuff in a minute. We'll get to what's going on in the bull riding world. Lots to talk about. Two weeks off. Scott Byrne, we got a big ordeal going on with him. A full segment. But before we get to Scott, Jason Davidson's here. What's up, buddy? How are you doing? LT, number 66, eh? Episode 66. Wow. Worn by the one of the greatest, Mario Lemieux. Yep. That's a good number. You know, everybody, a uh, little trivia here. Everybody's... Uh, head over heels on this Connor Bedard character in uh, Regina and setting all these records didn't even come close to Lemieux's junior record actually. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'd have to look it up, but uh, I recall um, seeing a tweet wasn't even close. What Lemieux about McJesus? Just... Was it McDavid? Was it close? Well, to he beat he... McDavid. Yeah. He did. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's the comparison. Gretzky? Where but... was he in there? Junior level. Oh, he was still playing at Brantford. They didn't even keep track of stats back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a legend, Mario Lemieux. Came back from cancer and all the fucking escapades, right? Yeah. People forget pretty quick all the stuff. Great player. Great player. One of the best. We'll get into hockey in a minute because we got some big talk going on with that as well. I know you got some players in the Stanley Cup playoffs, especially up here in Canada. Our Canadian audience will know exactly what we're talking about because it is playoff time, the most wonderful time of the season. But we got to get to it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been hinting at it on this podcast a few times. <laughs> Scott's been pretty adamant at keeping it quiet. He hasn't said much about it. I think he was a little nervous. We would talk about it. Scott would say, oh, well, that's a story for another time. Well, Scott, it's officially <laughs> another fucking time, buddy. You did it. You busted out as the clown at the Tisdale Rodeo. Fill us in. How did it come about? What brought you on to be the clown? Obviously, a bullfighter for many years. Not the clown. Now, jumped no. out there and full mic, full clown. Let's hear it, buddy. Well, I'll give you the quick rundown. I Long story short is... Mr. Lee Bellows, who we lost here two or three weeks ago, um, always bugged me about I should be clowning. Kind of just shrugged it off because I love fighting bulls so much and wanted to do that. Um, I don't know, about a year ago, I was thinking, hey, you know what? I should try that. You know, you never know until you try it and see what it's like. And before Lee passed away, he passed all of his clown stuff on to me. And I mean everything, barrel, 40 years of axe, whatever. So I was kind of, you know, got to do something with it. So I booked a couple of rodeos and Tisdale was my first one. And well, let me tell you, Tisdale didn't let us down at all. Um, <laughs> we had some fun, but uh, and you didn't let them down. I heard uh, yeah. in the committee room. Yeah, no, I'm not sure how you did in the arena, but I heard you were an all-star in the committee room. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, man, I, I got out there and I did it and had a couple acts and entertained a little bit and then got in the barrel and proceeded to get bumped around, not even bumped, hit around like five times, which unreal. At least you're in the barrel. What was it like? Yeah, what's it, I've never been in, in the barrel and hitting the barrel. I'm sure you probably haven't either, have you? Was that the first time? 
No, I, Lee, actually, Lee let me in the barrel. Of, remember the CCA finals used to have bullfights, Jason? And anyway, yeah. uh, we, did you go we, in the, did you go in there for a bullfight? Yeah. Yeah. For who? Who was the bullfighter? Oh, I don't know. One of the five that were there uh, could have been, um, could have been, what's his name that lost his whole hat fighting Dirty Sanchez. Oh, gosh. Trooper uh, Whitney. Trooper. Trooper Whitney. Yeah. Shit pile Lau. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. We, I should find that picture and we share <laughs> with our podcast <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I had, I kind of had an idea what I was up against, but let me tell you. I all uh, kudos to to old Lee, man. He was still in there at what sixty years old. We figured, and yeah, fuck me. I was sore. I was definitely sore yeah. on Sunday coming home. Yeah, and I had a rookie mistake the first performance. I, the, my barrel was kind of on uneven ground. I was rocking it back and forth, just pissing around. And I thought to myself, you know, this bitch could go over backwards. I knew <laughs> sooner thought it, and it went over backwards with me in it and a bull ride going on. So I had to collect <laughs> my shit. And uh, it actually hurt worse than anything else, but it was super fun. And, and it got me outside my comfort zone, definitely standing. And even though we've all stood in front of crowds and stuff, it wasn't like one-on-one like that, but had a good time, got to do it with Braden and, um, and that was special too. So yeah, it was good. I, uh, I, enjoyed you know, it. speaking of uh, Lee in the barrel um, back in the nineties, when we were doing the Rango bullfights up here with the, uh, I think we had three years of it. Yep. Anyway, Lee was, he never, ever bitched or complained. Nope. And you ask your dad, Tanner, about Saskatoon one year. Ka-ching, bada-bing. Ka-ching, bada-bingdom. I yeah. mean, that that 58 took him for, well, he took us both for a ride across that arena. And then your dad, your dad kind of had to bail me out and, and Lee out, but... Both Lee and I, after we're, I think we're in the change room looking at each other. We didn't know if we were in Saskatoon or Arcola, Saskatchewan. We really <laughs> didn't. We, we were both wiped out. But Lee was solid in there. He really was. I got to give Lee props. Yeah, he never bitched, never complained. And he was always in the barrel, which is more than I can say about a few clowns in today's world. Jason, I'm just rethinking it now, and I we forgot to give you a hard time, but you're going into these stories because you fucking missed the podcast last time, the whole thing, because you were in Mexico, didn't you? Oh, what yeah. did I miss? Everything. We had <laughs> what were we conversations talking about? about Lee. We did a big tribute to him. We did, did you? all of that stuff. Yeah. And we really let you have it, so you obviously didn't listen to it either. But you obviously... I haven't listened to any of them. <laughs> I've never listened to one. <laughs> I gotta uh, listen to you two shit stains all the time. Why would I want to hear you on like on my spare time? I forgot you weren't on the last one. Yeah, fuck me. Okay, yeah, you were busy in Mexico. I was busy in Mexico. Yep. I, it was there with the weather. It was tough. Uh Scott, in layman's terms, because um, we probably have lots of listeners that don't know what we're talking about, and the fact of as bullfighters always say, we're not clowns. We're not funny, you know, because that's what everybody says when you first meet them. They don't know a bunch about rodeo or bull riding is, you know, we were out there to protect the bull riders as bullfighters. And they're like, oh, you're the clown. No, we're not the clown. Well, not, buddy. You're the clown. So there's a difference between <laughs> the bullfighters and the clowns, obviously, people, the bullfighters, and they are there strictly to protect the, the bull riders. And the clown is there to entertain, which is two total different jobs, but Scott taking on both of them. So... That was more was it asking. was it very nerve wracking as a guy? I know like it's totally different in the sense of anything else because you're kind of 
you're supposed to be funny. You kind of like you have to be like family friendly because there's like kids, mm-hmm. so you got to be like good to the kids and then funny to the adults. And you're on your own out there in the middle of the arena, and it'd be like a comedy show, I guess, right? Where you say yeah. something and it flops, and you feel like a piece of shit, but and you don't have any like comedy experience of stand up yeah. or anything like that. So what is your God, prep? What do you mean he doesn't have well, any he's funny experience? Funny shit, but I mean not like he's got lots of sit game. down. Maybe that's no stand up, but lots of sit down experience. <laughs> um, um, uh, yeah, you nailed it. It is intimidating. Like I said, we've been in front of crowds fighting bulls for years and doing whatever we do. Um, but it is when, you know, you're, you know, we talk about Brinson, uh, the entertainer for the PBR for PBR Canada, and it's intimidating. It definitely is. And, you know, there was the odd time where it was like, womp, womp, bad joke. Oh, did it, you drop a couple bad ones? Well, you know, it's, Talk. What was the best material? One. Give us some material. Yeah. No, I'm not. No, no. <laughs> I I tell you what, my wife give me shit because uh, the first night I really did. No a, way. Li- no, listen though. <laughs> I all my jokes in the opening because I come out after the bareback ride and then you just do like two or three minutes of this, a monologue, you know, buddy. A fucking monologue. Yeah, it is. Yeah, a monologue. <laughs> so I was doing wife jokes, like yeah. my wife. You know, um, you know the difference between my wife and a battery is why a battery has a positive side. I was going through this all and. Oh, yeah. And uh, at one point, and it was when uh, your dad and, and Jody came down, she was videotaping, and I said Reagan's name. Like, I was like, the only difference between Reagan and <laughs> Well, I phoned her that night after it was done, and she's like, you know, I don't care if you do the wife jokes and blah, 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 blah. But she said, could you please not use my name? And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, that totally slipped out. Sorry, my bad, so. Did you steal um, lots of like Denny jokes and like um, from different people? Like the why don't hundred percent. Why don't blind people? My favorite one. Why don't blind people skydive? Did you <laughs> scares the, scares the hell out of the dog. I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and, and I was I was full on, <laughs> I was full on open about that that I would be um, plagiarizing a lot of guys. There was some new stuff <laughs> that, that I'd be plagiarizing. <laughs> but I mean, it's just the first time getting out there and doing it, it was. Like it was enough stress getting out there and just having some fun with it. And I'm, it depends where I go with this. Who knows? I'll start having my own. A lot like fighting bulls, you start out trying to emulate someone else till you get your own kind of style. So whatever, we'll see where it goes. It was fun though. I I did have a blast. And for the record, I was in the barrel for the whole, uh, all the bull riding, and I did pick up the barrel and move around. So I was actually, I yeah, there's yeah. some good hits too. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. I, we'll, I wasn't, we'll do wasn't I wasn't hanging back, uh, you know, putting the barrel way out so nothing spotted it. I, yeah, yeah. So what about uh, style? What would what would be what would you say? I know you've only done it once, but like a like a Flint style or like a Denny style or like a Lee Bello style. Was there activities going on? Were you doing some fucking jumping around and getting people fired up, or was it more like old school rodeo clown, like do to do cruising yeah. around? I would have to say definitely not Flint style. Not that I don't admire that, but Flint's got the moves and I don't. Uh, I would have to say, and you might not remember a whole bunch, but something like a uh, combo of Kelly Lacoste, Lee Bellows, just, you know, broom in hand, uh, you know, Dennis Halstead, all wrapped up into one. Um, you know, Ash is kind of you know, some of his stuff too, or I don't know. It's hard to explain. You just kind of go out there and, it's just, you know, when you first got on a bull or the first bull you fought, you don't really remember what happened. You know, it all happened so fast. Different reasons even, for some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mine was because I was knocked out. But anyway, um, yeah, that's all that first performance was. And I definitely felt more com- 
comfortable with second performance. And um, yeah, the committee was happy and it is what it is, I guess. I don't know. We'll see where it goes from here. Didn't ask me back, but they were apparently happy. <laughs> yeah, he did ask me back, actually. Oh, that's he did. Do you what when, yeah. when was that? When was that the next morning? Sunday morning? Do you remember having yes. that conversation? No, he yeah. no, no. <laughs> It was after Friday night. Then after the committee room Saturday, they uh, they retracted that. Uh, so what's oh, next? Yeah. Where to next? Uh, North Battleford uh, in two weeks, and uh, and then that, that's it. That's it. I don't have anything else booked, and probably not gonna book anything right away. So too much stuff at home here and high school. Road right. Hold out. Available. Hold out. So we'll, we'll see. Have- I had a message from the, I think it was like Mooseman maybe or Kennedy that they're looking for a cloud today when yeah. I put it on the Instagram page of uh, of names for you. And I also yeah. got your pro goes, card. Because what? Yeah, you get your pro. That's what I said. He's going to get his pro card. And then how long is it going to take before him and Danny and all these other guys are just fucking battling? Just oh, fucking yeah. hate each other. <laughs> Reporting each other going across the border and shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I don't know. That's probably not going to get that far. So we'll just see. We'll see. No plans. <laughs> I got steps. no plans. Baby, Baby steps. steps. Yeah. Go be more just messaged about your um what your name should be. And he put Indian Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's still got a dent in my face from that one. So, yeah. uh, Brock Radford put in Bandy the Rodeo Clown. Eh? <laughs> yes, Bandy, that's eh? it yeah. right there. And yeah. play that tune every time you go out. Oh, we got a good one, McLovin from uh, Gordy Lostro. Not too bad. That could be the front runner. <laughs> yeah, uh, Brinson I... James reached out with Scotty Too Hotty. For a name, Scotty too hotty, not too bad. Uh, tuba, lots of tubas, lots of yeah. tubas coming in. Yeah. Sprinkles, yeah. wasn't? Didn't you get in a fight about somebody calling you sprinkles uh, one time? Yeah, what was that about? That's... I remember sprinkles. What was that over? I used to work at the dealership in in Wainwright at Wayne Alta, and and the crew there thought it was funny that uh, they made a mug, a coffee mug. Up one time, I come in for coffee, and it had sprinkles, the rodeo clown, on it, and I believe it was Blade Young found out about it somehow and he's like text me one day he's like hey sprinkles and i'm like how in the fuck did this get into the rodeo world like this should have never left the coffee room but yeah. it did so there has been over the years the odd guy that knows of that story it'll be hey sprinkles what's yeah. up so yeah. anyway the guru uh <laughs> homie the clown <laughs> homie yeah. homie homie the clown one. yeah this- uh, so did old. you have, are you just Scott Byrne or are you like, yeah, man, I, yeah. I'm not far enough into this yet to be having any. Oh, you got to go full in, buddy. Come on. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Don't let I, anything but fear and common sense hold you back. Well, when have I ever. <laughs> True. <done that? laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. You got to keep us in the loop on all that. And PBR Canada put up a story about it actually today. This is Wednesday. We're recording this. So today they put it up there. Um, yeah. they Kobe put that you and Ryan are brothers and I've had lots of people reaching out that say that you're not brothers, but so that's yeah. a, that's a mistake. You guys aren't brothers, it, your it, nephew and yeah. uncle, uncle, but yeah, uh, yeah. the retractment on that statement. I, I do have to say, speaking of your dad, he was sitting up in the stands and when I flipped myself over on myself, which was so awkwardly embarrassing, I picked my, I panicked, got out of the barrel, picked it up, tried to be it all smooth. And I looked up and he was literally had te- tears coming out I of his eyes. He's just like, fuck me. I could hear, I could read his lips. He was just like, fuck me. That's funny. He phoned me. He phoned me. He goes, when are you going to be here? And it was like 
20 minutes to go time. I'm like, no, not. I'm going to, I'll make it over to North Battleford. <laughs> he was ready. No, he was ready no. at the door. Yeah. Anyways, it was good. So did it feel on. better? Did it feel better the second day? <laughs> Sorry. Did it feel better the second day than the first day? Or was it? Oh, definitely. It did? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I actually had a bomb act on, on the second day, which. Hey, let's see the, your hands. Still got all terror, your terror. So uh, funny. Story, what acts did called... you do? Yeah. You did act. Yeah, I did. That's uh, what the clown does. Danny. Yeah. But I know, but I haven't seen that for a long time. I, I did the uh, ugly kid act, which is the pale over the head. Classic. Classic. And then the, re- the reverse bomb act. But here's this thing that act, I was loading the bomb in my dressing room. And I actually cut the wires 15 feet long and went outside, shut the door and touched it to the battery. Cause if it was going to go off, I didn't want to be in that little tiny ref room when it did. And I made sure I had all my wiring right. Cause if I had it wrong, holy, it would have been a mess, man. That, they said, I didn't see it, but when I did ignite it in the arena, the whole box hit the roof in there. So I think I had it. I think I had her low. You had to have a special yeah. ticket to go buy that shit. I don't know. I haven't probably supposed to. <laughs> yeah. What about I the two act? Are you getting into two act? Yeah. Is, is that part of the stuff? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Eventually, I already had Tanner Gerlitz reach out to me and said that anytime I need someone to do the two back, he will do it. So yes, gonna have gonna have to do it once. But you gotta have a rabbit. Uh, rabbits. I don't want to be hauling a rabbit around. Oh yeah, go full oh, Ricky Ticky and just well, have to call Ricky the Ticky. See if you can get a skunk, a chicken, and a rabbit. Yes. A, pur- a purple chicken. Yeah. Oh. You ain't gonna get Colby. He's too busy winning drunk riding checks now. So yeah, that's right. Kale. You yeah, might get kale. Yeah. Half Chuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, buddy. Well, that's cool. Keep us in the loop. Don't be holding out on us like you were the last few times. We could have really. Oh, juice this up a little bit and really had an audience there for you at Tisdale. But I was thinking too, you went, you came right close back to home. So there was probably a bunch of people that you knew. I was like, fuck, you probably should have went somewhere way away over your first one. But, uh, I know. I don't think I didn't think about that driving there. I'm like, oh my God. And then your dad kept saying that he had a bus, like 45 people lined up on a bus. And I was like, no, please no. I don't need that pressure. So it all went good overall. So good. we're good. Good to hear. Okay, well, I'll keep us in the loop. And uh, on the uh, note of the two of you that I have questions for, did you guys see all the turmoil between your favorite band, Motley fucking crew? What's going on with the guys here? Uh, well, just what I read, that, yeah, Mick didn't retire. They just yes. left him at home. Yes. And hired John Five. But What do you think? Does that hurt your guys' fucking, your whole... Yeah. Nah, you know what? Yeah. Tommy Lee was going off all politically last year, kind of, or two years ago or whenever it was. It was, like, kind of a fucking turnoff, so... But do you whatever. think, you think out of utter... We had our fun with Molly Crew, eh, Scott? <laughs> no, never. What, five, six times now? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, my cousin, I'll never forget, for my 40th birthday, we went to Vegas to Motley Crew, and... Nobody knows my cousin Searle, but he uh, he loves that band. And he got so drunk, he come back. I was in the audience. He comes back. He goes, hey, I was just talking to a guy kind of by the stage. He says, you can go up there and drum next set. I'm like, mm, I, I highly doubt it, but <laughs> thanks for looking out for me. <laughs> Shit. There's a guy from Red Deer drummed for three of the Canadian dates back yeah. whenever that was, 15 years ago, 12 years ago or something. Because... Oh, Tommy had tendonitis or yeah, something. Yeah. 
Something but like anyway, that, yeah. my, my theory on that whole deal is that they should have at least asked old Mick if he wanted to come. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like come a, on. He's an amazing guitarist. He's amazing. Yeah. He just stands there. They got to prop him up, but still, who cares? Was he the shit. one that's all fucked up, like the hands yeah. and shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's his back. Oh, it's his, his back. Hands still, his hands and fingers still move really fast. Just watch <laughs> his videos. Really? Yeah, yeah his well, spine. What the hell, then? It's a long time for those guys to be yeah. doing that. And then now to be like, no, we don't want you yeah. anymore. You, you're talking about me in the Rambler room. They did that every day for fucking 40, 35 years. They partied like that. So, yeah. Which I loved the dirt until they like at the end, they were like, and we like, they like regretted it all. You know what I mean? Like you're in this deep, you fucks. Like that's what you were known for. And that's how you made your living. Don't be like, oh no, we shouldn't have done that. And go looking back and feeling sorry for yourselves now. Just live it right till the end. Fuck it. That's what I, thought. Yeah, well, I, I think if they kept living it, their end was coming sooner than later. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Speaking of living it, uh, Jesse Barron is back this weekend, guys. He's going nice. to uh, Everett, Washington which is this will come out Thursday morning. So last night and tonight, and then it rolls right into Seattle, Washington for uh Friday, Saturday or Saturday, Sunday. I'm not sure which one it is, but yeah, there's you know how the season is now. They got some events during the week now to, to fill, fill the full schedule up. So yeah, Jesse's back on the tour to finish those couple off. So I talked to him. He's looking forward to it. Get back in the game and do what he do what he can do. Good. That's good to see. He's feeling good. Yeah, yeah, he's feeling real good. Yeah, ready nice. to rock and roll. So that's good. And then lots of Canadian Bulls, Jason. I don't know if you've seen or not. Looking forward. Yeah, Nancy's to, down uh, there. Yeah, Nancy's down there. There's some uh, Braithwaite Bulls. Looks like some X6 Those Bulls. Those Bulls are sold. Those Braithwaite, Braithwaite Bulls are? Bulls, I believe, yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. But, yeah, there's a good Canadian contingency on it. Looking at the draw that uh, Eli Vassbinder has Emerald in, which is that pretty good one of. Uh, mm-hmm. Out the right, the 10. Yeah, great, great, whatever you want to call him. That hurt Zane at um, Grand Prairie, mm-hmm. but that should fit him good. That will go either way. And then, yeah, quite a few of these uh, Canadian Bulls. Two guns, Colton Fritzlin, Ellensburg kickstand. Um, superstition of X6s is, I wonder if that's um, Slim Wilson's bull, that superstition. That's usually in the short rounds. I feel like it might be. And if it is, that Keyshawn Whitehorse has and that'll be a really good uh, X. No, it says X6. To 831 is his brand. I'll tell you. 831 Superstition. But if that's him, yeah, look out. That could be a round win right there for Keyshawn Whitehorse. That's my pick. Sons of Junkie, Andrew Alvarez. That'd be a good one, too. OLS Tubbs Hot Pants. They haven't worn that bull up very 831. much. 831. That is Wilson. That is him, right? So, yeah, that yeah. bull will be good. Keyshawn will like that. He'll eat that thing up around the right. Should be. Could be a round win. So, yeah, looking like a good event to kick things off in Everett, Washington. I'm going to get to watch that tonight as we, as I edit this freaking podcast here. But um, last weekend in PBR updates was Billings finished off. Cooper Davis takes the win there. So, pops himself But he's back out up. this weekend. Yeah, Cooper's out, eh? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Kaiki had another top five finish. Beauty. He's in this week. Kaiki, that's what we were talking about last time, Jason, and how you can... Uh, jump on top of other guys being out, right? Kaike is really one of the only ones in that top tier race right now that's still rocking points with Jose and Dalton out, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and Kaike seems to be riding really good. Have you been talking to him at all about how his things have been going? No, but no. no, just a thumbs up and a fist pump here and there. Looks solid though. Looks like the front runner right now if he can stay healthy, especially now Cooper moved himself in. But like we talked, 
how's that pulled growing? He said in his um in his yeah. acceptance speech of the win, and he's going to take some time off. But it sounds like Dalton might be coming back for Tacoma, so get himself back in the race. Things are heating up for the finals, as well as our Canadian buddy Nick Tetz. Kind of uh, getting down to the last few shots here to get himself in for that world finals. And he will be at uh, Everett stepping up. Where is he play. sitting? On the outside looking in. I know that. So he has to do some winning to, to get himself in there. And then there's, you know, some guys coming back. Kyler Oliver, Briggs Madsen also trying to make a push there now to, to get into good position going into the finals. So end of the year, everybody's beat up and broke down. Uh, the injured list of Mason Taylor, Luciano DeCastro, Brady Olson, Colton Hevelo, Jess Lockwood, Casey Roberts, Bob Mitchell. Um, the list goes on and on of these guys that are beat up. So we'll see how things finish out for the end of the season. What a grind. The bull domino has been stepping up this last few events. Have you guys seen this thing? I think there's a video of him, Jason, of uh, – Stetson riding him a couple years ago. He's been around for a little while, but he's really kind of just coming into his own here these last few events. He was 47 and a half the weekend Ooh. before Billings. He's 46 and some there. Last weekend in Billings Bowl, the event at both of them. So that's one to keep an eye out on that we didn't have a pick on for the for the Bull of the Year title. But Oh, he could just wreck everything. I mean, it's fucking on us. Couldn't he? Yeah. Shit. Good meat. Um, Scott, your Lockwood pick, I don't think it's doing too good. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, oh, well. What do we're you good, though, Jason. We got Jose and Kaike. Yeah. It'll be a good battle there at the end. See who can he can come back. And then um, my bull is not, not in there, Moonlight Party. He's a solid bull, short rounder, but not bull the world race. So Scott nor Scott, I don't think, is in there either, buddy. <laughs> yeah, like, what happened? What happened? We, we went full Canada today when we picked we those. Two two. <laughs> oh, I know that bull that you're talking about. Yeah, um, right. He he was the he was the classic champion, wasn't he? No, nope. or fraternity cool. champion. I don't know if he did. I, I have to go. Yeah, back and I'm sure if he's this, won some stuff. But yeah, yeah, he was uh, 93 and Caldwell on him, right in the door. Yeah, to the left, out of left to the left. So he's had a few good trips to make a push right at the end of the year for that world championship race. So he's one that could come out of nowhere and do it. Cool Whip obviously doing his thing. Ricky Vaughn riding solo. Jason, your pick is looking really solid. So looking good that way on the ball riding side of things. That's how I pick him. Solid. How you pick him. (laughs) Um, Hockey, guys. We talked about it. The playoffs have begun. Jason, uh, do you have some guys that are in the playoffs? Can you share with us what's going on there? Yes, yes. Got uh, Chandler Stevenson in Vegas. Have Jake Lestition and Braden Schneider with the Rangers playing Damon Severson of the New Jersey Devils. And, of course, those games are all on the same night now, which mm-hmm. so. But cool. it's still entertaining. This Minnesota-Dallas series, Yeah, it's going to get – it's playoff hockey at its finest. When, okay, listen though, when when the games are all on at one time, like it must be fucking intense around your house, right? You must I record. Like, oh, I record shit. and go back and forth, but I still go back and forth all the time. Yeah, Twyla hates watching hockey with me. <laughs> he'd be like, he'd be like, Twyla, get out of the way, Jackson. Get out There's of the times way. I'll have, I'll be back and forth on the TV, have a phone going, and a 
and they because the American League playoffs have started too. So and then you have your computer going. Fuck. I need to get like three TVs. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, that'd be ideal. Yeah, and then volume only on one of them. Yeah, that isn't that isn't CBC. <laughs> Sit down with a big, big ass bowl of chips and a tub of dip and a big fucking diet. Oh well, tell you, let the and I'm not even sure about the listening to it because you got Mark Messier and Chilios and PK now on the U.S. games, and yeah. they're they're good. I like them; they're entertaining. The moose he just gives it to PK, and then you got uh, Colby Armstrong going. He's always fun to listen to. And you yeah. got Biz former. Yeah podcast guest biz nasty yeah and then you come back and listen to i won't mention names but the sports net crew i do oh, like yeah. kevin biexa i think yeah, he does Biexa's a great job. good yeah yeah he's yeah. good he tries to miss let those Nick. guys have it a I bit miss but... kiprios a bit kiprios yeah. would always mix it up and and uh get some shit going but the TNT the guys are awesome because they don't give a shit and they they give it to each other, right? They're always like exactly no yeah. holds barred. They're if somebody fucking... says something yeah. like we do to each other, yeah. nobody's scared to call it out there. Like they'll yeah. just call bullshit on it. Like that's I it was about two weeks ago, PK was talking about something. Like they got him his segment now is about how the teams are uh, the guys are dressed going into the rink, of course, eh? Which you know, that guy is dressed just, all the time. Holy fuck. Yeah, it's kind of shit. fun, you know. Yeah. So uh yeah, Moose was giving it to him about his his uh his uh fashion tastes. It was pretty good. They got I think they have a little bit more free range too. Like they can say a little bit more on those ones than maybe the Canadian broadcast, it seems like for sure. That's pretty why fucking, it's so weak. That's yeah. why our stuff's so weak. Maybe we could change that and start a new trend with with the PBRs in Canada and just let her rip. <laughs> You'd probably get kicked off TSN too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Shit, that's what oh, the well, NFP was... podcast is for, buddy. Yeah, let her rip. We should talk about Team Series quick, Jason, because we did get a we did get a call, didn't we, from the Snooze Fest Arizona Ridge Riders? <laughs> I know, sir, Casey. Um, maybe if you were easier to deal with, we'd throw your name out there a little more often. <laughs> Actually, Casey's pretty fair guy to deal with. Uh, very, uh, very much an avid listener of the podcast. Well, you know what, Casey, we'll uh, I'll, we'll call it right now. We'll have him as the first GM, right? We haven't had any GMs on yet, have we? No, no GMs. We've had coaches, but no GMs yeah. yet. Okay, yep. Casey. What about uh, the team series stuff, Jason? Is there any more news on who has put their names in for the draft? I know. We talked last time was the big news was the trade. Well, uh, Carolina traded for Mason Taylor and mm-hmm. uh, traded for the first round pick. They got rid of Mason Taylor, got the first round pick. Now we don't still don't know who has declared themselves. And now Mason Taylor just announced that he is in out. He's yeah. out. So we'll see if he comes back when he comes back, hopefully for the team series. But you know how that stuff goes once you have an injury and a surgery. So that trade now is even amped up a little bit more. But is there any news on the on the guys that are draft eligible? Well, it's getting like I've got two calls tomorrow, um, tomorrow morning actually with two different GMs. So I know why they're calling. Um, but I, no, until we see that list, you know, it's kind of you know a crapshoot, really. Um, I do believe Sage is declaring himself. Uh, I talked with Josh probably two weeks ago, Josh Frost, and he's still not a hundred percent sure. Um, so really when, when you got a guy like Josh and, and a 
guy like Stetson that, you know, that's two, that's either going to be one and three or one, two or two and three. Right. So it's hard to say. And, um, teams put their fucking names in. That's right. If they put their names in. So there's a couple Brazilian young Brazilian guys that are going to be, uh, is is there a deadline to put your name in? Like, is there a final date? Yeah. I want to say May 8th. So they're getting down to the nut cut now. Yeah, let's get yep. on, right? And then yep. that'll be the big. That's for the draft. That trade That's list. for yep. the draft. If you were That's right, me. you had to. If you were, uh, if you'd already been drafted, you had to have your name in a while back um, to declare yourself for the season or as a roster spot because the teams had to have their rosters um, sent in uh, at a certain time frame here a while back. So nice. it'll be interesting to see what some of these guys do with some young guys and bringing in some maybe some guys from Brazil and some change ups like the. Kansas City Outlaws. I know that the the Arizona Ridge Riders. We were giving Casey our time, but they did have a good season last year, right? They were yeah. just they don't have like the the Jose or the Dalton or like the the big name Kaike guys where you've seen it all over the news or seen it all over social media of some big rides. But they did stay the level and stay the course and got lots of qualified rides and ended up in that top tier as one of the teams. But to see what these guys will do, these GMs or these coaches now to try to get it to that next level because it is a shorter season and you have to prove yourself right now, right? So mm-hmm. if you didn't win, for most of these GMs, I'm sure, and owners, they don't give a shit about third or fourth place. They want first place. So there's going to have to be some shakeups. There's going to have to be some different They don't care about second. Guys. Yeah, right? Nobody who remembers does. who's second. Yeah, That's yeah. the first loser. That was always the way we were taught when we were kids. Second is the first loser. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, guys like the Kansas City Outlaws, if it was hockey, they'd be in rebuild mode, right? Which is not probably where you want to be in the fucking inaugural season. So um, we'll see what they do to try to get themselves back in the mix for that top tier race this year. It's kind of tough, I guess, in the sense that all the top guys are there and there's some new guys that are going to be coming in and some young guys coming up, but you're going to have to shake it up within the, within the teams with trades and, and stuff like that. Right. Because there isn't such a big pool of new guys that you're going to get that you're going to find. Right. And I think you're going to have to find guys that mesh with each other. Right. That'll be a big part of it is getting these guys to ride for one another and then getting them to that hundred percent level instead of maybe a 50%. Well, you just said it right there. It's a team now. So you have to have that chemistry. And I'm going to use Silvano, for example. I think him coming in late with the Stampede was part of that chemistry that helped them win. And I know it was because of the effort they put forward to get him re-signed. Um, you know, Silvano didn't get drafted. There was nobody really calling on him at all. Um, and then come, you know, following the team finals that we had, I had three three different teams wanting Silvano actually four there was four so, so valuable um those kind of guys you got to have character guys just like in any sport you, you got to have your number ones your Kaikis or your Lemes or your Lucianos but you got to have depth and um you know back to Casey Lane Casey um and his group they've got depth there mm-hmm. I, I do mm-hmm. feel they have depth for mm-hmm. sure yeah they're just now, boring to watch. Now here, 
<laughs> so if you like an- me on your team, I'm I'm exciting when I get off, but my riding was fucking boring to watch. I was I got the job done, but I wasn't flashy and going hey, well. You know what that's I mean? all you got to do in teams. Yeah, scores exactly, and they yeah, did that. Scores. Here's another thing I think to think about, and you can say what you want, but after this next season, will we start to see some? coaching changes and manager changes like here we, there's another to. aspect to it too yeah exactly i think it's gonna it'll be get... it'll be interesting when that does happen because you're firing an icon or a mm-hmm. uh, a ring of honor um yeah. Yeah. a founding member which honestly if you're not doing the job you should get greased yeah. right it's like it hockey doesn't... same thing yeah, it's yeah. Legends and, of and the game. boy they're, they're falling here as of late in hockey well yeah. they cleaned house in pittsburgh yeah. Coach in Columbus, Brad Tree Living got greased here just three days ago. Like they agreed, they agreed. Yeah. Of course, they did. I've seen that. Yes, but yeah, you got to produce. That's the only thing with it. And you know, maybe then they get rehired somewhere else. Like you know, yeah. sure. that's the way that it goes. Like you, this might not be working for you there in that system, and find somewhere else to go. And there's lots of guys that I think would be really great coaches that hopefully oh, that aren't someday. even yeah. yeah when thought of right now, when's right? Galarmi Marchi? Yeah, gonna you know. be coach. Yeah, you know, but but there's a lot. Hey, you guys, there's lots of sports that guys haven't been um, a master of their yeah, or we're, we're great players or whatever it is that are great coaches. So we might even see some names eventually that that you know aren't ring honor, yeah, yeah, which will be cool too. It'll be really Scott, good. You see. know what, Scott? I'm gonna throw your name out there when I'm talking to some of these GMs, okay? They're talking about coaching, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna do that for you. Okay. Was to your to the Hornets. I was a player. I was a player coach. List of achievements and I was a remarkable player achievements coach. in life. Right. Yeah. Have to make sure you're a coach of one of these teams before you in fact, your life. In, in fact, when I pulled a solid three minute shift for the East Central Hornets, when I got back in the box, I didn't stand on the floor. I stood up the back of the bench with my skate guards on, yelled at them, motherfuckers. Let's go. Let's get this done. <laughs> With my skate guards, <laughs> I like you say never, that, Scott. Too never There's... owned a pair of skate guards in my life. No, me neither. We used to walk across the gravel road to get to the rink in our skates. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, Ask we didn't like it. We, see it. We did spark, spark, skate guards. off. Yeah, fucking right. <laughs> look, guards look at for, me go. Skate guards are for wimps. <laughs> also, Scott, you brought that up too. Like the, and I find that with like bull riding schools, like we talked last week there's some of the guys that are the are the greatest bull riders that they're not the greatest teachers right yeah, and that's the 100%. same thing with coaching and some guys that weren't the best at riding but they know how to teach really really well right and they can get through to different people and i think that's the same as as this coaching aspect of it too so i think sure. you're going to see a lot of change-ups as they go and it's just going to have to do with dollars and making sure that they're winning and that's just the way that professional sports work so mm-hmm. he goes out of it and go win Riverside Dodge boys, Aaron Roy. Do you guys see this NFP uh, listener going to be on the show yeah. here at some point pretty soon? The world's number one fan of Motley Crue, Brad Flower. You know him, AJ's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, he's dealing right now on one up there. So wow. all the way all all the way from Marshall, Saskatchewan, or Lloydminster, however you want to put it. But yeah, he's. Yep. Them it's fair i got guys from all over the freaking country that are going there and phoning in that's so the point of the story was aaron phoned and um wayburn was trying to do some sponsorship deal with them what he was going to do and so he phoned and said do you think that um riverside could do any better and i said i don't know fuck phone tie and see what he'll do 
Well, they beat it. They and what beat what Aaron's sponsorship fucking deal was going to be. So he ended up fucking up to PA. They met him in Saskatoon and got the job done. He got himself a new freaking 3500 old AA Ron. Three times. Oh, yeah. Driving around the Riverside Dodge truck with the Riverside family. So Riverside Dodge in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan is the home of the award winning Ram truck. They're the brand you trust to haul a trailer load of rank bulls along with your crew up front in the cab. Whether you want to go check fences or tailgate outside the next PBR event, the boys at Riverside Dodge have the right truck for you. Riverside Dodge is not only the dealer of choice in northern Saskatchewan, but also sells and services all across western Canada. Go see Ty and the gang at Riverside Dodge for a fair, no-bullshit deal on your next truck and tell them Tanner or Jason or Scotty, whatever your new clown name might be, Scotty Too Hotty, <laughs> sent you. <laughs> Riverside Dodge and Prince Albert, Scott the official truck the dealership <laughs> and sponsor of the NFP podcast. Boom. Yeah, so there's people from all over understanding the no bullshit pricing from Riverside Dodge. So it's good to see we're getting lots of those trucks out there across the country. Beauty. Um, NHL playoffs, full swing. Jason, I know you have your guys on different teams. Take your agent hat off for one second, and we're going to do our picks for the Stanley Cup championship. Who do you think it's going to be? We'll go to you first. You're the hockey. New York Rangers. You fuck, right? <laughs> I got you a bunch fuck. of them. I got a How's bunch that? of them in my draft. See, but okay, yeah, okay. New York Rangers. Okay. You think she's still going to be I've the wall? I've got three, though. I've got three teams. Okay. Well, pick them on. Do you got one from each side? Uh, Rangers versus um, Edmonton. Edmonton. There you go. Oilers. Oilers do look good, right? I don't now. know if they got that goaltending, though. They don't. And but... I, and to my to that point, one name, Connor Hallebuck. With the Jets? Yep. Yeah. He's the guy that can win it. You think the Jets are gonna go that far? Connor Hallebuck. Just remember that name. I don't think the Jets are gonna get through the first round. Connor Hallebuck. Well, didn't remember they win Vegas name? last night? Yeah. Yeah, but that's one game. Oh, well, yeah. they're just getting fucking warmed up. Okay, Scott, you're up, buddy. So, Jason, you got Rangers versus Edmonton in the finals with the Rangers winning the cup. Okay, yeah. I'm going with the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Stan Wilson. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. Like, how, I don't know. So, who well, would go Boston? I was Boston. just going to say, who yeah, would yeah. Boston play? Like, who? What's well, you got else? LA, you got uh, Minnesota, no, you got Dallas, Dallas. you got. Colorado, Vegas. You got Colorado, Seattle. Okay, here's um, my LA. Pick. I'm gonna go Boston, Vegas. How does that sound? Yeah, and who's I, winning? I, I don't mind that at all. Okay, write that down. Maybe I will win something this year. And who's winning the cup? Boston's taking the cup, though. Yeah, Boston's going all the way. Okay, okay. In my draft that we have done, <laughs> I have guys from Colorado. I have. Heavy on the Rangers. I went deep with Shisterkin and the Rangers. Did you and have I, Fox? Yeah, four points Adam last Fox, night. Adam Fox, four no assists deal. last night. Oh, yeah. Like, yep, yeah. And then um, I went with a few on the a few of the Oilers, and then I got some Toronto Maple Leafs. I thought that they might be They're able done. to fucking rip it and pull it off. Oh, yeah, so disappointing so. last night. Bunting, three-game suspension. He did get three? Just come Fuck. down. For what? I didn't see it. Oh, he threw in a, threw a kind of a jump. Really. Yeah, it was head. bad. It was yeah. stupid. 
Dumb no, penalty. He's dumb penalty. Not too. Didn't cost him the game. They were already <laughs> done by then, but was, now he's was out he, of the lineup. He overdid was it he in was, the Rambler room and then drove was, home. Was, was, yeah. was, was he was he whipping his skate guards at people? Come on. <laughs> Trying to cut people with the skate guards. Hey, yeah. back to our the start. Um Connor Bedard was 143 points in 57 games. Yeah. Okay. Mario Lemieux in 70 games, 282 points. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. not even, like, that's that doesn't even deserve an honorable mention. 57 games and 143 points opposed to what Mario did. Yeah. You could say different goalies and shit too, though, right? But still. No. No, you can't. You can say a better player. (laughs) That's what you can say. That's I don't care. Uh, No, no, you can't. That's ridiculous, right there. Yeah, ridiculous. That's four points a game. Four points a game average. (laughs) Would be so ridiculous. Oh, different game, buddy. It's like that's like saying all the nineties. Yeah, back back when when they were nineties, when they weren't wearing tutus out there, is what it was back then. Yeah, but you weren't hitting guys like that. You'd fucking be dead. Uh, you didn't hit Gretzky, you'd be fucking dead if he touched him. Well, in junior, it'd been different though. Yeah, I don't know. I saw some <laughs> back in the PA Raider days when yes. Baumgartner and Manson, Manson were on the blue line together wearing Cooper all pants, both of them. They still talk about that around here. I don't oh, know what those guys did, yeah, intimidation wise. Hey, eh? they said they'd go to the other side in the warm ups and steal their nets. The other team's nets and bring them onto their side and wait for somebody to try to come and get them. And then they'd go on the other team's bench and start drinking their water bottles and pouring their water bottles out on the ice and wait for them to to come and try to do something about it. They go over and take all their pucks and bring the other team's pucks onto their side. All during yeah. the warm-ups. They said everybody used to go be there like an hour before the games for the fucking Just to see sold it. out packed in the warm-ups. Yeah, because they knew there was gonna be something going on. I believe it. <laughs> Old time hockey. Eddie Shore. <laughs> so my picks on each side. I'm going Rangers and Colorado. And since I want to pick the Rangers to win the cup, but I'll take Colorado going back to back on the yeah. other side just so I don't pick the same as you. Reason being, they got a bunch of their core guys back that they kind of pulled the Tampa Bay trick. I Not think. a bad pick. So hey, you Vegas know got their guys back for the playoffs, it's, but we'll it's see. Playoff hockey. Anything yep. can happen. Oh, and Anything it's been good. How about Dumba? Just Malian yeah. fucking Pavelski. Poor Pavelski. And he's not, not playing tonight. To he's no. not playing tonight. He might be done. He's good night, Jim Kite. That guy. Holy <laughs> fuck. He was sleeping. <laughs> God. <laughs> Were we talking about this? Before? Must have been before. Um, Winnipeg Jet. 75 stitches for the young. Uh, oh, yes. 75. Who was face. that? You know that kid? Young yes, guy? I do. Yeah. Uh, anyway, 75 stitches and was back. He actually took a little time. I imagine you just don't throw 75 stitches in in a hurry. No. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, the timing it's was not tennis, I guess, time. is what we're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. So he fell down in front of the net, took a, the goalie skate to the face right above the eye, had to leave the game, was bleeding everywhere, got 75 stitches, and then came back the next period. Uh, Baron, Baron, Baron. Full on bull rider. Full on hashtag NF. Morgan Baron. For that one. I wonder yeah. though if they fucking just ripped him in there. Was it, the scar is just going to be, it'll just be. Well, 75, it had to be layered stitches. Had to oh, be. 
That's filthy. I wonder. I wonder if the goalie went right in the face, right <laughs> in the face, take that right in the face. So it was Chandler pushing on him like there was a scrum. They're trying to keep. I don't know how Winnipeg did not score on that play. To be to be candid, they should have scored, and it was just everybody kind of dogpiled on there, and Chandler was just like honestly leaning on him with his stick, which whatever i don't i know chandler wouldn't do anything intentionally to hurt somebody in fact he was the first one to say oh boy you gotta you gotta get to the to the bench Help and yourself, yeah he bro. was pushing down on him and brassois skate had come up underneath his visor and chandler was basically pushing down on his head onto the skate oh. so it was kind of a yeah it was kind of an awkward play obviously but yeah i don't think the the force of the stick across the back of the shoulders was helping the cause at all but it's hey. like a football fucking like a football pile up yeah they're like exactly each other what it was fucking doing all that but with razor blades involved <laughs> talk, you talk about old time hockey the only difference between that and the hornets was we didn't have helmets on but these <laughs> <laughs> like the ex said it's not tennis that's right they that's like right tennis, uh, <laughs> anyway <laughs> Couple housekeeping notes. We're gonna to get to our interview here right away. We got uh, Craig Hummer coming on. Which oh, I do gotta I gotta do a couple of things because you'll see in this interview, Hummer is a great talker. He is the voice of the PBR. Been with the on the broadcast of the PBR since two thousand five, two thousand six. Fucking cool stories that he had. My favorite ones were about the bull riding in that day and that era <laughs> and the fights and the partying in the rooms. Hey, that was pretty cool. But then he was um, in the middle of them. Yeah, yeah. Twice. So, same twice. city, same guy. <laughs> so that no, so that's what the one thing was. He 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 was thinking back after it was done, and you'll hear in the in the podcast he talks about t- uh, two fights with Chris Shivers, but the second one is with Chris Shivers. But he remembered the first one where he talks about getting uh, thrown through a table. It was <laughs> actually Ross. Table. It was yeah. It was actually Ross Coleman. So he wanted <laughs> to make surprise. sure. That, yeah, surprise. he wanted to make sure that he got that out there. That it wasn't Chris that threw him through the table. It was actually Ross. But you'll hear yeah. that story when you listen to the um to the podcast as well. Um, the music that we're gonna play throughout this. It's a big ordeal with with Hummer is his music because we talk about it that he's going into uh mental performance coaching and the whole mental side of of sports. And he talks about how he he uses music for a lot of that stuff. So the tunes that we're that we're playing with, with this pod go through that, as well as um he wanted to really reiterate how much respect and admiration he has for McBride. We talk about the the guys that stood out for him over the years and and i kind of questioned it as other than mcbride because i knew how much of a fan he is of mcbride but he said his one regret from the pod was not really going into how great of a guy mcbride is how much he helps craig do his job and how good of friends they are so a couple of housekeeping items for craig but what'd you guys think of that that was pretty cool that guy's done everything huh it's wild yeah, yeah. It's and uh, we just sorry listeners we couldn't tell any more of the Pam Anderson Donna D'Arco stories live <laughs> so just DM us and uh, if we like you we'll fill you in because they were awesome oh fuck <laughs> and yeah bunch of different stuff the people just think that he's a sports broadcaster but you'll really find out that this guy is way 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 more than that had a full on world class athletic career before even getting into the broadcasting game so yeah, it's gonna be fun. Well, so, to listen to. some of the posts, some of the posts you put out here in the last day, just the picture of him with that blonde hair. He was the, he was the surfer dude. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he was what you imagined to see a beach, Cali. Yeah, yeah, Cali guy looking yeah. like. Hey, he was 
he fit the bill that's for sure so that'll be good we'll get to that here in a bit shout out jason i want to talk to you because i know you've been doing some stuff with him uh jesse and tiffany torkelson opened a new western store yeah cowboy creek you bet Okay, Cowboy Creek. You can find them online. Um, yeah, friend find of the show. Find that good 3D bull riding gear there too. Yeah, I've seen some NFP gear there too. Do we get a cut yeah. on that? Mm, you have to talk to Twyla. <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> Why? No problem. No problem. <laughs> you have your. You have a visit with her. Actually, talk about the slow boat. That's been like over a year and a half on some shit getting that actually. When Since, do we get? When do we get some of it? Um, you have to again. That's um, really throwing your wife under the bus here. Really throwing your wife under the bus. No, no, no. I just yeah. stay in my lane when I know it's not my lane. <laughs> okay, I'll use that next time. You guys give me shit about all the stuff that I do. Then you oh, blame Dr. Megan. Stuck to Megan. I don't know. She runs my show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be at your place not this Sunday but the Sunday after. So I'll. I'll quiz Mama T up there and get Mine? some merch off her. Okay. So it looks cool, though. Uh, Cowboy Creek uh, in Alberta, Torkelson's new uh, Western store. So go and support them. Good friends of the show. Uh, you guys see in Saskatchewan, the hospitals now, you don't have to wear masks for the first time since 2019. The nurses, uh, everything like that, all those are finally gone. Which Oh, they all they finally figured it out, did they? Yeah, our American They're listeners supposed to are probably be like, what ones. the fuck? But yeah, yeah. Well, you don't have to do that there. Uh, as well, Bonner Bolton. Do you guys see this on social media oh, here the yeah, last little yeah. while? Bonner. Have you watched the whole YouTube thing? No, no, I haven't. I just Me seen the either. social media posts. The, yeah. So he did an interview with a podcast, which I, I can't remember what it's called now. But um, something must have went on. He's been doing his rank ride fantasy and it's an app where you can it's like a legal gam like not illegal it's legal gambling legal <laughs> yeah legal uh gambling on on the pbr like on bull riding right so however it works out he's got his hashtag cowboy versus corporate he's really going after um gleason and saying that he's going to tell the full story and talk about how bad the guys are getting treated and that they told him pretty much to stay in his lane and stick to modeling instead of trying to do this, this rank ride game. Um, I don't know. Go check it out for yourselves to see what's going on. But I know that Bonner is really fired up and um, got his hashtag cowboy versus corporate going on there right now. Scott Byrne. What did you get? <laughs> a Jersey. Are we going to do an ad read? Are you going to get a new what? Jersey made for your clowning? Yes. What are you thinking? You are. I got it. I I gotta have uh, I gotta have a jersey made up for your bull riding and humble, don't I? Well, yeah. It depends if we get that sold. Then you'll have to wear a jersey that I get you made. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're gonna go down that road. I actually had that come up on Friday at my first little gig. There, they wanted me to wear a T-shirt for someone that had bought the the rodeo clown and. I had to turn it down respectfully just uh, because the first night was kind of all about tribute to Lee. So anyway, they were good about it. They were really good about it, but I just uh, wasn't going to waver on that one. But I guess you and I will have to negotiate if this does come up, right? Okay, correct. What's going on? (laughs) Well, uh, you'll be able to negotiate as much as us bullfighters get to negotiate our jerseys at PBR events. (laughs) It doesn't go very far. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, so what when you do get your jerseys made up, are you gonna get some hooked up gear, some hooked up enterprises, get hooked up? 
Well, why would you go anywhere else? That's right. Okay. For the biggest moments under the brightest lights and the biggest situations, get hooked up. Hooked Up Enterprises is a creative partner for Western sports and beyond, providing customized arena wear for some of Rodeo's most elite athletes and state-of-the-art arena wrap display products for some of Western sports' most prestigious events. They are the official in-arena gear of the NFB podcast. Find out more at www.get-hookedup.com or follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Stand up, stand out, and stay hooked. My new jerseys are coming in, boys. They're going to be fresh Cloverdale. I think I'm going to bust some of them ones out. And then we got some getting made for the event in Humboldt, the event in uh, Elkridge. Those ones are coming up. Tickets still on sale for those. June 9th and 10th, Elkridge. June 16th, Humboldt. Our whole crew is going to be there. All the boys going to be another fun one. Looking forward to it. And guys, anything else that we're missing that you guys can think of? Just supper in about 10 minutes. <laughs> guy uh, that was a show that i was gonna say if there's any of these guys like australians or americans that are looking for bull ridings they're having trouble getting into bull ridings events come to fucking canada we had marwayne that's first one of the year we had 18 entries 18 total entries at the damn thing so if you want to come and stay for the summer there's tons of events tons of money to be won and no, july alone why july open. alone i think we have about two hundred and twenty-five thousand added in july yeah, and don't so, forget a finals that pays two hundred thousand. Yeah, where can where can I get a rope? Where can I get a rope? Oh boy, fucking again. Yeah, yeah, we'll come. We got a couple Aussies coming over for July. Good, um, nice. Yeah. Tell them to come for June. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I'll have okay, an update wait, for Brandon in London on our next pod. We got a special, um, special entry coming too. Yeah. Mm. Name I it. can't tell you. <laughs> classified i could i could tell you but then i'd have to kill you okay our segment that we almost forgot about but we can't forget now everybody's loving them everybody's been phoning in texting in on them is uh the full pro one jason i think you'll like this one because i kind of used this one off you so full pro (laughs) a full pro situation is the dress code like when you look the part you know when you show up to a bull riding or even a young kid coming up you know he's got a nice so what are you hat. saying i need to work on my outfit like these kids when they're coming up if you want to get noticed and they want to you know be part of the deal is like you can tell a lot about a person or a young guy when he shows up to an event and he's got his shirt looking nice he's got some sponsor logos they're looking nice they're embroidered on he doesn't have a bunch of stickers hanging off of him got some starch in his jeans got some nice doesn't, set of boots you know doesn't pull his shirt out of his rigging bag and give it one of these before he puts it on <laughs> Dust it off, dust off the hat, right? Oh, you know? there I've got yeah, I remember yeah. those days. Right. No, I never did it, but I remember those days yeah. seeing that. At pro rodeos, I saw yeah. that shit. Yeah. Shane Listing yeah. was famous for it. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it. I wasn't gonna throw him under the bus, but that's exactly well, Beaver not... Drilling. Remember the yeah. blue shirts? Yeah, Beaver Drilling sponsored. I'm not throwing them under the bus. That's a fact. How yeah. can I be throwing them under the bus? Shit happens. So that's full pro, I feel like, right? Even your gear, right? You got your nice looking gear. You look sharp. Like a guy like Tyler Craig right now, he doesn't have a bunch of sponsors all over him, but he's got like, he's color coded. He looks sharp, looks the part, right? It's going to go a long ways in the long run. I think that's full pro is looking good, looking good, going, putting in that extra effort to make sure you're looking sharp. Amateur hour, what's getting sent down to the minors? Scott, I don't know if you guys notice this a lot or not, but... This one has to do with social media, and I see this a lot. When there's people that are two different people, like they're a social media 
side of them and then there's the real life side of them and i think you guys know exactly what i'm talking about you'll talk with somebody they won't like say like two words they'll be half quiet and then like an hour later keyboard warriors an hour later you'll look on like their facebook or their instagram and they'll just be going off about something and fucking this and that but they'll never do it to your face keyboard warriors exactly that's going full-fledged down to the amateurs and not even like like fighting wise or like being ignorant wise they only do it behind the the computer but even just like storytelling wise and shit like there's there's people that i know that they don't say two words in real life or when they're in public or with somebody and then they have these big facebook posts like every couple days and it's like their thoughts and this it's like (laughs) who the fuck like is that who you really are or are you the person that i talk to is who you really are it's like dual personalities right and i think it's maybe they're shy in person but that's full-fledged fucking amateur hour i think just be yourself on both sides of things right i don't know what do you guys think of that one yeah what do you think do you think we're any different in real life than we are on this podcast no exactly my point and on social media i'm over the top on social media and i'm over the top in real life (laughs) so i got a i got a funny little kind of maybe rookie amateur story however you want to put it but Braden was bugging me driving up to tisdale you're the rookie hey you realize you're the rookie now right you're the rookie you're the first i'm like did you get that lip going and look over him like (laughs) like like you're i been looked at a hundred thousand times myself <laughs> possibly but anyway uh tisdale they have the dance in the arena every night after the rodeo right oh, okay yeah. great good time so saturday <laughs> friday night dance saturday during the performance during the steer ride and i see uh braden and, and tyrone mains is there too but he wasn't so much involved in this uh braden's kicking the sawdust around in the dirt he's finding all these blue tickets like <laughs> and, well, you're gonna buy he's gonna get fired <laughs> well no, no, you won't. Anyway, I actually said to, to uh, Robert, I said, he was announcing, I said, you want to talk about who's the rookie here? Look at this kid. He's kicking the dirt around, finding all these blue tickets, thinks he can spend them tonight at the dance. I said, you don't think they changed the color of the tickets? Rookie move, rookie move. Thinking I was, you know, the yeah. vet. We'll be goddamn if they didn't take those tickets, tickets at the dance yeah. later that night. So I'm not sure. Maybe I am the rookie. That might be full pro. No, that's full... funny you say that because okay. this is fucking bad. But when we were young, same thing. We weren't even supposed to be in the dances, right? Like 15, 16 years old. But we picked up that it would be at all these dances and beer stands, which I feel bad for now because a lot of these rodeos need that money to keep going. But at that point, we were little hood rats and did whatever we could probably criminal activities most of the time and 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 we went we went to fucking went to like the dollar store and yeah. we'd buy different colors right the, all the different color yeah. red tickets blue tickets white tickets go into the dance see what kind of tickets they were had what color they were head back out to the car get a fucking boatload of those tickets and come back in and drink for free all yeah. night I had, uh, I always kept like a dozen or 20 of about five, six different colors in my, you know, remember we all had those long wallets when we were younger, those boot wallets, (laughs) but in all fairness, it wasn't because we had to figure a way to afford to be there and they need us. So actually I don't think, well, they do, they needed us. If they needed, they needed to have us there is, is entry. So, you know what, what's 60 80 beer a night come on yeah come on what if you give what if you give back to the sport well not beer sales that's for sure (laughs) i think we're making up for it now yeah yeah, back in those days you had to do it sunday scary scott 
Can you fill out the <laughs> Sunday scary by chance? Yeah, about three days ago was a Sunday scary. <laughs> I talked to him. I'm like, oh, geez. Yeah. Tisdale Rodeo. That... I think we've all had a Sunday scary. Hey, where did you where did you Rodeo. where did you stay Saturday night? Yeah, let's you hear some good accommodations. Yeah. In your like, barrel? <laughs> hey, you know what? Let's just say I was safe and sound. Okay. Good, good enough. Good. <laughs> okay, I got one that I got sent in. I gotta share it with you guys because you didn't share that um Sunday scary with us. Lots of times they need a little bit of like time to to boil over before you can share them, right, Scott? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, good. Mm-hmm. So boil this over. one is from Bart Winquist. <laughs> look this at look at look at this guy that's telling the stories. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know, but they've all been about me the last while. So I'm trying to get some other ones in there. So Bart Winquist sent me well, in this try one. to be better, Tanner. You're yeah, a father know, of three. Well, I am now. These are all old stories. <laughs> oh, yeah, old. Yeah. Father well, of two. When was, the last when one was Lethbridge. Was Lethbridge yeah. in 2023? I think it was, wasn't it? <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, let's hear Bart. Anyways, okay, Bart Winquist and Zane Lambert. Sister cries out, smokes a lot of dope. Brother runs in, and he smokes a lot of dope. Mama's in her room, smokes a lot of dope. Daddy's drinking beers and he smokes a lot of dope. Hank Williams smokes a lot of dope and dear John. So it was Saturday of Bonnyville. Zane was living in Lloyd. I was living in Murnham. We met up in Marwayne. I was along for moral support as Zane was going to get on the Franklin cabs at Bonneville. We all remember how that was all the time. Of course, it rains all afternoon. So Zane was in and out of the truck a few times doing his business. Uh, Bart said he did not leave the truck at all. Moral support strictly from the truck and as well to keep a measure on the beverages to make sure they had enough of those. After the rodeo, because it was late and it seemed too risky to make the trek back to Marwayne from Bonneville, which is not very far, due to all the moose and possible people walking on the road, they went off to the wetlander, he said, is what it was pretty sure it was called. Must be the bar in Bonneville and party the night away. Bunch of the people head back to the grounds about that same time. So there was a herd of people walking towards contested parking. Somehow Bart and Zane end up with Squig, who we all know <laughs> in the world, and Blair Stroh, the late Blair Stroh, in someone's freight liner drinking beers. So they were parked on the inside of the racetrack against the trail, and he said it was all good for about four or five hours. You can imagine what all those guys were getting up to, having themselves a good time. Still the wee hours of the morning. And Blair decides to hit the air horn a few times on one of those little mini freight liners. So I'm sure, you know, it's getting daylight and he's freaking hammering on that. So he said they carry on and all of a sudden the door flies open and this guy, big guy comes in the cab and he's mad as shit. And he's a committee member, it turns out, and he's wanting to get in a fight. So him and Blair getting at it and they end up against the track on the on the rail. Turns out the committee member and them had a little camper circle directly across from them on the outside of the track up against the rail. So Blair's mad. He gets swung around in the seat. Him and this guy square off, and this fella is cussing him out. This is when he tells us that he's a committee member, and there are kids sleeping on the other side. So everyone's out of the truck by this point, trying to break it up, talk everybody down. They get everybody settled back down. The guy heads back to his camp. They all jump back in the truck, and he's not two seconds out of the sight of the guys, and Blair hammers on the horn again and honks <laughs> on him as loud as can. So that was when Bart and Zayner decided it was time for them to leave before it escalated any further. Um, so they get to their vehicle. They figure that there's no more moose and people walking on the road anymore, so it's time for them to, to head home. So they jump in the truck, and they head out, and they're bullshitting away, and 
talking about the excitement and how much fun they had through the night. Next thing you know, they look at the road sign and they're six kilometers from Cold Lake, Alberta. <laughs> Went the wrong way. Drove the wrong fucking way for a few hours. Then by this point, they're out of beer. Sunday scaries are kicking in. Time to turn around, sober up the whole way back. And that was the end of it. A day trip with Zane Lambert. And it was a long fucking day. <laughs> oh, uh, that was a good man. He was one of my best buddies right from uh, the CCA days. Uh, well, we've been too long. But yeah, on the scaries, I've got a good Blair Stroh story. Okay, Blair perfect. Stroh and TJ Baird story. <laughs> oh, boy. We'll use it next one. Remember okay. it. Okay, we're going to go to our interview. Before we do, this interview is brought to you by the Czar Lake Bolarama. For the best of all the bad to the bone PBR action, make a plan to come down to Czar Lake Bolarama, July 21st, 2023. The rankest bulls and the best cowboys in the business will try and win one of the biggest single-day paydays in the industry at the back-to-back and reigning PBR Canada event of the year. For more information, check out and like our Facebook page or check out our website, www.czarlakebullarama.com. Czar Lake Bullarama, come get some. Once again, get those tickets at the door. No pre-sale tickets. The Chris Buck Band is playing afterwards. Bring your campers, outdoor dance, two-time event of the year. One of the best ones that we got going. So make sure you're there and have yourself a good time. With that, here is our interview with Craig Hummer. Hey, Craig Hummer, of course, wearing the stars and stripes on the head today, flying the flag high uh, for all his uh, fellow Americans today. Let's take a look at the man under the stars and stripes. Yankee Doodle Dandy. America's pride and joy, Craig Hummer. Iron Man extraordinaire. That's our training partner, Guy Leach, views Craig Hummer. He's a six-time winner of the United States Ironman title. Now he's chasing further glory in his fourth year of the Uncle Toby Super Series. In the States, anywhere from uh, seven to eight months a year, and then down here for the rest of the time. So uh, chasing summer around the globe. The lifestyle sounds great, but sacrifices have to be made, including long periods away from his opera-singing wife, Jennifer. It's a marriage of contrasting careers. In a lot of ways, they're similar, though. You know, we both have to be very driven, and uh, we both have to, at times, be very selfish to know what we have to do to get ahead. Hummer is never far away from the spotlight. A former model, he's also an actor and has made numerous appearances in the popular American series, Baywatch. Our guest today is an American sportscaster. Best known for coverage of the Tour de France, the Olympic Games, and of course, the PBR. He's also a former competitive swimmer, a lifeguard, winning 39 national championship titles and seven times the international Ironman. You've seen him on Baywatch, Letterman, Golden Girls, and numerous commercials. He's an author, a father, husband, all-around good guy. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it, my friends. It is Craig Hummer. What is up, Hummer? Gentlemen, what, by the way, Tanner, what an introduction there. I think you ran out of air in your lungs. So you should have stopped way sooner, my friend. None of that, none of that mattered before, hopefully, all around good guy. So if that's if that's all anybody takes from this, I'm okay with it, guys. All By the way, how's the time. weather? How's the weather up there? Because here in Southern California, I hate to say this to the three of you, but we've we've had a shitty winter by our standards. Like they're saying, it's the fourth worst winter on record. 
Now we define winter. We define winter differently down here, don't we? Us uh, Southern California lily <laughs> livers, right? I, I do not like the cold. I only like ice in my glass. <laughs> With tequila. I'm off the tequila though, my friend. I'm. It's red wine only these days. Really? Yeah. You uh, actually. You know what? I forgot about that. That's where my desire to get more into tequila was we were in Ontario, California, I don't know, a decade and a half ago. Tom Cruise was there that night. I remember. Um, Not a big we were deal. in the lobby bar and you had a sip and tequila as Canadians. I, I I forgot about that, but that's where it started right there. Well I owe I, I owe my addiction to tequila to the man on this podcast right here. Yeah. That's good. I can write you a prescription and then it won't be an addiction. We can just <laughs> yeah. call it a call it a yeah. prescription and a medication. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. However, that that uh, intro that I uh, rattled off there, um, there's a lot of stuff on there that I want to get into uh, quite a few of it. I don't think we'll get to all of it, but there's some amazing accomplishments on there. And then at the end of it, with the quote that I had, I was trying to find we use we use you lots on this podcast without your permission, obviously. <laughs> oh, but wow. cool. uh, some of the sound bites from your uh from the show, from the CBS show that that you do for the intros for the guys. So some of the one-liners I was I was looking into and and first question off, do you do you research those? Do you figure those one-liners out before you get to events or do you try to just wing it and whatever pops in your head, it's just fucking game on? It, yeah, I mean, to use your last words, it's pretty much fucking game on. I mean, I, <laughs> I literally, I, you know, look, right, we're all, we're all in some form, either in the biz or in the sports world. So we know. So sure, I know kind of what's going into perhaps a show. Yeah. But in terms of what I say in the moment, very rarely is that ever scripted like the beginnings of the show right if it just the, with the traffic we walk through yeah that that's often I'll, I'll look at what we have on tv world right as a format and i'll kind of write that before the show starts because that's just kind of makes it easy for me so that then we get into the actual show itself the writing and the on cameras and all that other stuff i don't have to think about it but it but what i think you're referring to right tanner is just when a guy or a bull does something yeah. i just react yeah. either you know verbally or in an exclamatory manner and yeah none of that is scripted that is just all coming out just has like there been, writing has there just been like a bull writing one? there's no <laughs> scripting like in bull writing, writing. Hey, hey jace yeah. that's that's right dude and i mean i kind of you know, McBride, obviously, you know, he and I are like the Bobsy twins these days, seeing each other all the time. But he hears a lot of these stories, you know, or we talk a lot about stuff. And it is kind of I do think of it that way is, you know, we've got to be re able to react to anything. And of course, the worst thing we ever react to is a bad injury. Right. We've, we've all also all been there. And anybody that's a bull riding fan knows that that's a possibility. And that's actually the thing I probably take most seriously is. Um, this might sound like a weird comparison, but I always remember that scene in Jerry Maguire where Cuba Gooding Jr.'s yeah. character, right, gets flattened yeah. on the field and his yeah. wife calls Tom Cruise and she's like, you, you, you got to let me know, is he OK, right, because they had gone to commercial. And in a weird way, that's kind of how I think with me is like somebody's at home, mm -hmm. whether it's a, a kid, a wife, a parent, but when a bull rider gets hurt. I'm probably the only voice they have to either 100%. Calm, you know, bring the situation down to a calmer level, 
provide information to, you know, make them feel better if they can, you know, and that sort of stuff. So I, I actually, in terms of, because you asked, do I prepare anything? It's not that I prepare to be ready for that sort of stuff, but I always have that in the back of my head that I have to be willing and able to switch from trying to be funny to all of a sudden having to be uber serious because of a medical issue. Has there been times where you've had to like, you've said something and you're like, uh Oh, that probably wasn't the right thing to yeah. say. Well, uh, <laughs> the short answer to that is <laughs> maybe say that to myself every week, but no, in terms of, in terms of right, like injury stuff, thankfully there really hasn't uh, that comes to mind. I mean, your viewers are happy to, you know, start scrolling through YouTube and find, find a place or find a time when I perhaps wasn't as sensitive as I thought I was being, but yeah, in terms of the injury stuff, I, I'm usually pretty spot on with that. Not, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully I haven't jinxed myself for the rest of the season. I jumped ahead with that one just because I, I know that there's been times and different guests that we've had on here, Joe Baumgartner and, and uh, Gaffney, a few of the guys that have have stepped over the line on the live broadcast that have said some uh, uh, some of the wrong things. So that's what I was yeah, wondering if that's yeah. maybe ever happened. Right? To, yeah. to, oh, to I, bet you, I bet you I bet you could tell some Joe Baumgartner stories. <laughs> Well, did you have ears with Joe? Would you have ears in and hear Joe? Well, again, there's so many microphones around, right? Um, that we would hear stuff. Joe was never really, he was never one of the mic'd guys. Um, to, to my recollection, there might have been a time like once he, he was, said, because he, he, he yeah, he did it. He said a swear word that was on it. the live okay. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, sorry, sorry. I mean, I've, I've, I've forgotten that, yeah. but I've told this. Gaffney story right a million times and hopefully he told it but that to me is the, the funniest story of all time it was my first world finals in 2005 and right I mean I hope he's told it because I was just with him up in Billings and he got typical of G-Man right he got so embarrassed we were all talking about something else in our group and then I just of course had to I was like hey gee remember that time and <laughs> what was it what did he do again well, he, but people he... haven't heard the story we were doing a um he was basically, it was me and him. We did a pre-show. We did an intermission segment. And then we did a post-show, right? Every day of the world finals. And of course, it was still at Thomas and Mac back then. In one of the intermission segments, we're just talking. And he he dropped an F-bomb. And, and, and I mean, I was just like, oh, no. I got to get this right. I'm starting to forget this story. It's been so long ago. <laughs> So yes, he he said off oh, fuck or something like that, and of course my eyes bugged out, and I knew we were on live TV. And this is, of course, I'm thinking my you know career with the PBR depends on yeah. you know keeping G in line and making sure you know we're family friendly and all this other stuff. And and so it was probably only a couple seconds, but of course it seemed like a a, a decade. And I just I kind of touched him. I go, hey G, you know we're live, and he goes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, so some background, um, uh, Hummer, for our viewers that maybe don't get to tune in to the CBS broadcast, uh, you are the voice of the PBR since, like you said, about 2005, 2006. You've been the man on the camera uh, calling the play-by-play -play for the PBR, but that is just a, a small portion of what you've done, uh, whether it be broadcasting, athletically, all that other stuff behind the scenes. But um, we know you 
mostly from uh, from your time with the PBR, but that probably wasn't on your list as a young child that one day you were going to be the voice of the PBR, I'm assuming? No, not at all. In fact, uh, it was really funny. I was cut and, and I apologize in advance for anybody that's listening. If this starts to sound braggadocious, I just need to give facts in order to write. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. So, so I was I was covering the Olympics um, over in Europe. It was the 2006 Olympics. We were over in the Italian Alps. Freaking awesome. Having a great time working for NBC over there. Um, and I'd done a couple Olympics before. And basically, I get this call, and it was the guy that was running at the time, Outdoor Life Network. It maybe had just transferred to Versus. I, I've forgotten, right, the chronology of all that and, it, you know, and how that went down. But yeah, he called me up and he was like, look, what do you know about bull riding? And what's interesting is the only other time I had ever even thought of bull riding was in 2004, if you guys remember, when you had Adriano and I believe, right, it was Mike, Mike Lee, Lee. Yep. who were going for the world title. And in America, I don't know how it went down, you know, up north of the border, but in America, they switched. They were live on NBC, which was a huge deal back then. They had to switch off of NBC before it was decided and go oh. back to Outdoor Life Network. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I remember I was just flipping through channels. I mean, you know, I I didn't know. I did know if you guys remember the producer, Joe Libero, he he and I were friends. And so I knew he was producing the PBR, but I didn't know what that was. And so that is what I saw. That was like the first time I ever saw bull riding on TV. And my brain, because I had been already in the TV world for a while, I was like, oh, man, that that's not good. Like the fact that they went from national big time, you know, NBC in America to then they went over to cable to decide this thing. So it was pretty funny. So when I got that call, as I said, in 2006, I knew of it, but I didn't know much. And they they asked me to basically leave Italy and come straight to a PBR event. And I said, no, I said, nah. Look, I, promised, <laughs> I promised my wife we're going to Venice for vacation and not to bore you too much, but my wife and I and our whole family, we are not vacationers. Like we don't take a lot of vacations, probably because of what I do, right? Working weekends all the time, but I didn't budge. So what was hilarious was they called me back like the next day and said, okay, we've worked it out. Can you make the next one? And so I said, sure. So I truly, I flew from Venice, Italy to Reno, Nevada. (laughs) For the outdoor show. Your first one was an outdoor show, was it? I don't think it was, Jace, that year. But it was, right, it was 2006. It was March of 2000, or like, you know, end of February, beginning of March 2006. So clearly we can all figure that out if we want to. But... Talk about an eye-opening experience. But I tell you what, I give Randy Bernard and I give the guy um, who was running um, OLN at the time, and I'll I'll think of his name. Um, But anyway, I give them a lot of credit because they knew, right, that bull riding fans, not only knowledgeable, but totally rabid, right, about the sport and, you know, who, who gets to have the honor, let's call it, of working the sport, so they knew they couldn't throw me right into play-by-play. They were just like, look, the fans just 
probably aren't going to accept that. So they started me at reporter for the first couple months. And to this day, Mark, Marty Ehrlich was the guy from Outdoor Life Network. Um, but yeah, and so for me, it was great because I really got to know the guys. I really got to learn the sport. And I mean, I'm trying to remember, Tanner, were you riding then? Were you coming down then? No, no, I was about... Yeah. 10 years after that yeah all I mean, right yeah 2014 all, was yeah no. well you've been there for so long you've been through everybody's so, yeah, I've been there for 18 years now yeah. but the, the point i was going to make is i remember i felt really strongly about i went up to randy and i said look i want to if you're going to have a meeting like a writer meeting basically i said i want to talk i want to talk to the guys like i want to talk yeah. to the whole group and he was just like what do you mean you know what what, what are you going to say to these guys but he, but he did it to his credit. And basically what I did, I stood up in front of all these bull riders, right? Who probably were just thinking, who the hell is this weirdo, right? City slicker, tan dude who doesn't know our sport. What's He's he in better say? shape than all of us. Yeah, this fucker. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but, but, I, but I, like I said to him, look guys, I, I'm my sole job, right? The only reason I'm here is to make you guys look good and to tell your stories. And so don't look at me as like this adversary that's getting in your way. I'm here to solely help you guys. I'm a conduit, right? To to hopefully new fans, which I think is probably one of the why, one of the reasons why I've been able to stay right on. I mean, we've all been a part, we all see it. I mean, you know, this sport is continues to grow, which is fantastic, right? For everybody involved. But I think that's probably, again, I, I, I think I garnered some respect with, with all those writers in that room that day. And I didn't do it to gain their respect. I just wanted to really remind them that people like me, we're, we're not the problem, right? We're only there to help it widen, right? This fan base that, that thankfully continues to grow, I think. Did you get some hate mail this is probably before social media but you would have came in and uh, replaced like donnie gay right one of the legends oh, yeah. of the justin game McBride, kind of thing. or not just no. justin mckee wasn't it justin yeah. mckee like the crew that was there before so and the, i know this from the cowboy side of things we yeah. don't usually adapt that well to change and like yeah. you say especially <laughs> for a guy that's uh california kid kind of thing coming in right i'm sure that there was a little bit of adversity maybe from fans maybe from the legends of the game per se, or, you know, inside and outside. Was there some of that? Oh, absolutely. And again, you're right. It was, it was just in the, the dawning, let's say of not the internet, right? Because that had been around for over a decade, but basically, yeah, if social media had existed back then, it probably could have gotten very ugly, but, but I'll tell you a funny story. And I even kind of thought about this as to whether or not I was going to, I was going to talk about it, but I did work, by the way, with McKee for a number of years before he kind of, you know, when they had a purge right around 2000, I think it was 09, 10 is when CBS took over. That's when McKee stopped, stopped doing the telecast. Because if you remember, it was a three-man booth. It was me, McKee, and usually Ty. But then they brought G-Man in sometimes after Mac retired, right? They, they brought him in a bunch um, so it was kind of a rotating door. But what I what I want to tell all your viewers, which is really funny, back to the hate mail, is that for years, right, J-Dub and I would work together. And every single weekend, 
And I'm not kidding. Every single weekend I would work with J-Dub, he would make some comment about how one of his friends just absolutely hated me, (laughs) hated my commentary and just (laughs) wished I would go away. And and finally, and finally, I just said to him one day, I was like, hey, J-Dub, I totally appreciate, you know, this friend's attitude like it was probably just jw saying it was a friend but but i said there is nothing constructive about you telling me this yeah 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 10 seconds before we go on air (laughs) before we go just you know right we all know j-dub he's just he's who he is and he thought it was the funniest thing in the world to to tell me this every week and i was like okay i said you know right as long as i'm making 51% of the people either enjoy it or, or happy, right? That's kind of how I think this TV business works sometimes is you just got to not piss off or you got to please a little bit of the majority. <laughs> well, that's, you know, speaking of hate mail, <clears throat> excuse me, I wonder how many letters uh, the PBRs got since teams come in that you're not there now for teams. Oh, well, I mean, look, Jace, you're, you're nice. That's a change. That's a dip. no. Maybe the hate mail is coming like, from Craig. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Hey, no, hey. We'll all send one for you. Yeah. No, no, no. Listen, listen. Look, I, I let's just say I respectfully disagree with with their decision not to use me. But look, I Sean knows this. We've talked about it. Those aren't my decisions to make. You know, I I uh, this might sound a little too touchy feely for some of your uh, listeners and you know viewers, but. I've worked really hard over the past few years to get out of the judgment business and get more in the jumping on board business, right? Because that's obviously a very different energy to be around. And I would love to be part of teams, but that's just not the way that, you know, the PBR sees it. And so I could, you know, say a bunch of other stuff to the moon and it's, not going to matter, right? So I well, shit. You there, might be a coach, Hummer. You've worked yeah, with yeah, every coach. GM. Yeah, hey, right? huh? you've yeah. worked with every coach. Why couldn't you be a coach? I tell you I, what, maybe maybe when you guys buy a franchise, I'll I'll be one of your uh, assistants. You could be the the GM for the Outlaws, and then be J Dub's boss, and tell him how all your friends don't think he's doing worth yeah. the fuck. Yeah, he's <laughs> not doing a very good job coaching. That's why they finished last. That's, <laughs> oh my god, you guys are brutal. That's so funny. <laughs> Um, I would, I would, let's, let's find the politically correct answer in all of this. I would love to work with JW and teams. <laughs> now, but do, there's nothing, Craig, there's nothing saying that over time they might start the, whoever they is, they might see that in a different light and, and could bring you on board. Is that not a possibility? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know, Scott. Right. I mean, again, these are all decisions that were made that didn't involve me at all. And, you know, until I either own my own sports league or, you know, own my own TV channel, I mean, I'm at the the whim, let's call it, of the powers that be, you know, right? I love my job. Um, and again, not to sound egotistical, I, I know I'm pretty darn good at my job, right? right. So yeah. whether it applies to bull riding or other stuff that I do, and, you know, hopefully, right, because Tanner asked that a while ago, like some of the other stuff, but, um I just have so much fun doing it. You know what I mean? Like, and again, much like the example I used when I first came on with PBR, 
you know, I try to do that with every single sport I cover. And, and look, guys, I've covered 60 different sports. No, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not joking, right? But with all of them, my only job is to make the athletes and the sport look good. Like, yeah. I feel also because you guys have mentioned social media, we all know the, hey, look at me people, right? That, that exist in everything. And I'm very much a show them type person rather than, you know, anything else. So that's back to Tanner or something else you brought up with the, with the words that I use and, you know, some of this other stuff. I do it because I find it fun, right? I find it as a way to keep it original. I mean, think about how many outs you guys have seen in your career, right? From all your perspectives. And if they all sounded the same, which ultimately kind of falls on people like me, mm-hmm. how freaking boring would it be? Yeah. You know, sure. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, and so again, I, it's back to kind of what I take very seriously with my responsibility. If somebody's t- turning, like, like taking their valuable time to watch bull riding on TV, I better not be the one that makes it boring for them. Yeah. yeah. Like, Fair like, enough. I lose sleep over that basically, right? Because it's my job to help everybody because I very much consider myself the quarterback kind of of the team. You know what I mean? It's like, it's my job to make sure the whole thing goes as smoothly as possible, but also at the end of the day is entertaining and is as entertaining as possible. Because at the end of the day, right? That's kind of what sports is. It's, entertainment isn't it oh absolutely for sure 100 percent. get away from the news and stay entertained yeah so when you come into the bull riding world guy that we'll get into in a bit here with with your past but you come into this this world of bull riders and you came in kind of in the heyday of i'm gonna say like 35 of the 35 guys at the bar most nights and guys having a fun time a good time 36 36 guys. So, so that those days when you came in, how was that? How were the, how was the, you know, your, what you thought of, of bull riders at that time? What was that? What was that like for you? In a few words, it was fucking awesome. (laughs) I I mean, I mean, right. I mean, you've already set it up that I was around these, like, not just legendary athletes, but right, legendary characters. Yeah. And so for me, and again, that's something that I love with everything that I do. I get to be around the best, right? I mean, I'm I'm always either paired with a, a former world champion or a or a winner of some some mm-hmm. you know, form. And so to be back in the environment that you're describing those early years, it was just so much fun because. Without giving too much away, you know, uh, back to the thank God there was no social media back Mm -hmm. then. Mm -hmm. I keep my cards kind of close to my chest. Like, you know, my inner circle is very tight. And and so what people know about me and, you know, what I allow people to know about me sometimes isn't much. But what I really enjoyed about being around all those guys then was that was a part of me that really resonated. Like I have always been a guy that likes to go out and have fun. And, you know, I mean, people might argue, but 
alcohol has been good to me. So I, I love, you know, revisiting it pretty much as much as possible. Uh, maybe not as much as I used to back yeah. then. So- Scott can't say the same. No. no. Was there a I point when, the when Columbus, Columbus is sticking out in my mind, but is there a time when, when shit went down and you were like, okay, I'm in a different world here that I might, might, might be used to with these bull rider guys. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you two times. And, and they both happened in Columbus. Uh, and they both involved Chris Shivers. <laughs> uh, the first time was we were partying in, a, in, a, in, in Randy Bernard's suite. And, and it was, I mean, it was rough, like everybody, right? Just name the names back then. We were all there. And, it, and, it, and those were the days when... The let's just say the fitness angle hadn't really caught on yet, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, pretty much everybody figured the way to get fit was to lift, you know, 12 ounce cans or 750 milliliter, you know, bottles, right? So we were in this suite, and Bernard tried to like introduce me or do something else. I don't know what was going on, but all of a sudden, I got freaking like picked up and slammed through a glass table in, in the middle of this, in the middle of this like living room. And it was a, it was weird. It was like this two story weird. I think we were at the double tree in Columbus. I mean, it's weird that I even remember this. Well, maybe because I had to pick glass out yeah. of my head, but, uh, and all of a sudden Randy's screaming, like he comes over and he's screaming. He's like, no, no, we need him. We need him <laughs> like that. Right. And, and it was so funny. But what was what was classic about the night was, again, not trying to sound tough, but I guess just the way I got thrown through the table really just kind of felt like a thud. It didn't it didn't right really hurt or anything. But then the second time with Shivers what was absolutely comical. Same place, same hotel. We all closed down the bar. We we went into uh, we we got kicked out of the bar basically the hotel bar. We go to the elevators. The first elevator door opens. And everybody slams in, right? Everybody rushes in and we're going up to who knows whose room um, to, to continue the after party, which, mm-hmm. as you guys know, was pretty much every night of every weekend. There was always an after party that, that if you wanted to, didn't stop even when the sun came up. So, so again, that's just was the dynamic that everybody was always prepared for. Um, so everybody gets on this elevator. And I'm, for whatever reason, the last guy to get on. And as I'm about to get on, the other elevator door is open and nobody's on it. So I have this idea. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to jump on this one and get up to the room faster because, right, everybody else is loaded in there. And I'm sure they're going to hit a couple floors or blah, 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 blah. Well, sure enough, I get up to this floor that we're going to first. And there was a potted plant in between the two elevators this massive potted plant. And so I had the brilliant idea, oh, I'm going to move the potted plant right in front of the elevator so that when they all come running out, right, something happens. So I run around the corner and I'm kind of peering my head, you know, waiting for the day. And I hear the ding and I peer around and Shivers is the first guy that comes barreling out of the elevator knocks over the potted plant, freaking dirt everywhere, dirt all over him. And I start laughing my ass off at the end of the hallway with, you know, kind of seeing this. 
And he, like a freaking, you know, cougar, like just all of a sudden is like this, staring right at me. And I go running down, and I don't know what I was thinking. I didn't have a key to the room, but so I go running down to get in front of the door that we're supposed to all, all meet at. And Shivers comes running around the corner, and he gets from, he gets like maybe 15 feet away from me, and he's shouting, you think that's fucking funny? And I just go, yeah, I really do. And he, I've already said cougar, but he was like a freaking panther. He jumped 15 feet through the air, like lands on my chest. All of a sudden he's got me in a headlock. He like in one fell swoop, rips my shirt off, puts me in a headlock. I'm tasting like blood bubbles, like instantly. And everybody's freaking out and they're like, Chris, Chris, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, whatever. And he's like, that fucker, blah, blah, blah. And it was, it was, and so however it ended, basically it ended with me with a black guy, me with a fat lip and, and, but we still partied. Like we basically still kept partying. (laughs) So the next morning we're in the airport and you know, I mean, right. We're all just getting ready to take a flight home. And and Cody Lambert, I'm sitting outside. <laughs> I'm sitting outside this little kiosk, you know, one of those uh, stands where you buy water and your magazines, you know, back in the day, right. Your papers and everything. And I'm sitting there by myself and, and Lambert <laughs> slides up to the table where I'm sitting and he, and he sits down next to me and keep in mind, right. I mean, we all know, we all know Cleet and we all know the reputation that he has so I was not, let's say, somebody that initially he gave the time of day or or he engaged with at all, right? For all the reasons that us insiders know Cody can be like. But he just sits down at this table and he kind of leans and he goes, how funny do you think you are now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you mentioned Cleet. He's been well documented on these podcasts with a lot of our guests. What was there any... Yeah, how long did it take before you think you could have called Cleet your friend? Um, th- there's not a moment that I that I can point to, Jace. But I mean, it definitely again back to kind of that that first meeting that I've now mentioned a couple times. Mm-hmm. I do think Cody kind of knew with me early on that even though long before the PBR came up with the "Be Cowboy" slogan. I think Cody and some other people probably saw that in me, I kind of had right some similar attitudes that maybe you guys were known more for growing up, but I still had the same kind of, you know, Western either ethos or, or mentality or, you know, whether it's the manners or it's the, you know, integrity or, you know, some of these other things that, right, cowboys are traditionally known for. And, and again, that the PBR did a great job with their Be Cowboy campaign, um, exemplifying, right, and, and drawing notice to. Um, I think that's probably, with Lambert, probably what turned him, so to speak, was there were probably some situations where he saw I either didn't back down or, you know, I just kind of held my own or I kept my word, you know, or, you know, things like that, that he just kind of, you know, kind of slowly like a, like a moss growing over a tree. He kind of all of a sudden realized. (laughs) But guys, I do have some respect. I don't know if you were quiet about it when you came on or you let people know like the accomplishments that you had in another sport when were you quiet about that or did you, yeah, did, to- did you share that? Totally, you yeah, were, that's, hey? 
No, that, yeah, that's, that's again, kind of, you know, not my thing, even though you guys are forcing me to talk about stuff, well, right? Hey, no, I'm, 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 I'm kind of not a talker, you know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a show them kind of guy. And I, yes, was very lucky and very fortunate, fortunate, excuse me, and worked my ass off, you know, when I was an athlete, I kind of have, have always thought that I brought that work ethic into my roles, you know, in TV, because that's what I do, right? I just study to, to get ready for stuff. And, um, but as an athlete, I, yeah, worked really hard to be the best in the U.S. in this sport for a number of years. And then I competed professionally, internationally in this, you know, it's called Ocean Ironman Racing. So imagine triathlon, but with a fourth thing, right? So wow. swimming, running, kayaking, and then it's called paddleboarding, but now everybody thinks stand-up paddleboarding. But yeah. this was long before that where you, you know, either paddled it on your knees or on your stomach. And oddly enough, you know, you guys, I know you're pretty landlocked, but Canada has been well represented at every world championship that, you know, I ever went to. Um, all the Commonwealth countries are, you know, so so the big the big countries where surf lifesaving, which is the umbrella of the sport. Um, you've got obviously Australia, you've got New Zealand, you've got South Africa. Canada's always been good. Great Britain has had, you know, very good teams. But, um, you know, it was just, yeah, it was one of those things where I did it for about a decade and a little bit like how I've gotten shit over the years for, you know, not supposedly being the right fit for a TV sport that I cover. That's exactly how I started when I got into this sport. You know, I, I grew up in Ohio and I was a pool swimmer. And then when I came out to California, which is now 37 years ago, um, I got a lot of shit from like the people who were Californians. Like, you know, they were like, well, you can't do this and you shouldn't be the face of our sport and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, okay, well then fucking beat me and you can do <laughs> <Yeah>, that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Love it. And Craig, is it true that there's a character in Baywatch that that was based off of your story like your life story is is yeah. is it yeah can you tell us yeah. about that that is unreal well i mean I, I again it's now we're gonna tanner we're gonna start to delve for some of your listeners into very boring material but Sorry, yeah buddy, but it's awesome. created Baywatch <laughs> Greg Bonan is one of my best friends and we weren't you know friends before I came out here. We've just developed a friendship over my three plus decades, as I said. Um, I really, I consider him a mentor because on a business side of things in the TV world, he's, he's very noteworthy, but he kind of, he was pitching Baywatch. By the way, he pitched Baywatch for a decade, you guys, right? Imagine a decade worth of no's. I mean, I don't know how long you guys pitched podcast. Well, you had to wait for Pam. We had to wait for Pam to be in her prime, right? Yes. But, but get those inflatables and that hair bleach blonde, and then yes, now we can do it. Yes, fair enough. So, <laughs> hey, look, we all now know what Jason has been focused on, yeah, the past yeah. and into his adulthood. By the way, they are going to do a reboot, Jace. So if you want me to try to get you on set, I probably can. Yes, I'll start working to, out to, to see the cans. I can't <laughs> get you to see the cans. <laughs> so, how many years did you get to work on that? Well, I I was uh, I worked on and off uh, just as an extra for a number of years, but but again, because Tanner asked about it, 
He based the first season, again, it was on NBC for one year and then NBC canceled it. So I believe it was Billy Warlock was the actor's name. His character was kind of loosely based on me, a kid from the Midwest that comes out, is this phenom swimmer and, you know, becomes a lifeguard and blah, blah, blah. And then they kind of morphed that where David Chokichi, you know, when it went to syndication and he kind of became the huge star, he kind of had a similar story, but it was really just that first year um, that it was truly based kind of on, on me. And at the time, it was just because Greg had heard about me coming out and, and doing all this stuff. And, you know, it was funny. I mean, I did play kind of myself in a couple episodes. For whatever reason, they changed my name to Scott Hummer. Um, I guess, you know, for, for legal cool, name. Nice name. Cool. But yeah, so, so the Baywatch stuff was, was a lot of fun. And the episode that I uh, played myself in, or one of them that I played myself in was probably one of the most embarrassing moments that could have gone horribly wrong, but thankfully didn't. So I, I, we were doing these scenes where we were doing pull-ups, but anybody that's ever done pull-ups, at least I'm going to readily admit, it's not like you do a hundred push-ups or excuse me, a hundred pull-ups without feeling the effects. And you can imagine mm -hmm. the world when you're doing scenes, it, it doesn't happen just right away. So we had, um, what are they called? Like the apple boxes, where we were basically standing on apple boxes, but we just had to pretend, right? We were doing, we were doing this. Nice. So, so I My basically, kind of pull -ups. <laughs> in the midst of doing you know, one of these, my thousandth pull-up of the day, I screwed up my line. And without even thinking, I just yell, cut, cut, <laughs> cut, like that. And Hasselhoff, right? David Hasselhoff, huge. He was the star, right? I mean, biggest, big, big, big. He like, I'm doing a scene with him. And, and he like looks at me and everybody on the set, you could hear crickets. You could hear the crickets thinking. Like there was no sound whatsoever because basically everybody thought I was just A, going to get reamed by Hasselhoff and then B, basically escorted off the beach and told, you know, never come back. How dare you? Because, right? I mean, I stopped like a whole production crew just because I was just like, I didn't know any, right? I didn't know yeah, any better. I, know. I was just like a stupid young punk. And it seemed like an eternity, but probably was only a few seconds, kind of like my Gaffney story. But now I was the one, right? That, that, yeah. that yeah. Up. Hasselhoff, Hasselhoff just starts laughing and he goes, good one, Hummer good one like that and then everybody else starts laughing and then all of a sudden it was like this thing like you know at the lunch truck and everything else they're like man that was so awesome that you did that and i mean yeah i didn't mean to do it i just did it and yeah there you go it worked so was this uh with pamela's time was this the tommy the tommy lee time too did you ever get to run into that or being around her on on set all that sort of stuff yeah i i, I love to joke because you know um we one of the episodes I was part of this this group where the Australians, which which, you know, I mentioned how I was a professional athlete down there. So the same group of guys, the company was called Uncle Toby's, which is like Kellogg's. It's like a breakfast company. So all the Uncle Toby's Iron Men came here to the U.S. and were in an episode of Baywatch because they were doing a race 
that that was here. And I was supposed to be in the race, but I had broken my ankle like the week before we were doing these scenes. So to the Pamela Anderson thing, though, it's kind of funny because I always love to joke. Yeah, I've, I've done a shower scene with, with Pamela because oh. there were like 50 of us in a shower. Right. And she was delivering the lines with one of the Australian guys, Jonathan Crow. But we were all in there, you know, with the steamy water and blah, blah, blah. So I always think that's kind of funny. I'm like, yeah. I've, I've done a shower scene with Pam Landers. Pretty good to have there on the resume. Yeah, that's a role. It's, uh Hummer, you mentioned the 60 different sports that you've done. And, and in my research of you, because we are a professional podcast and do lots of research here. Um, yes, you, you, you feel that. I'm sure you can I just, feel I'm that. It. The uh, cycling world, also, you're a big part of that. Um, but Lance Armstrong, let's touch on that because that's pretty amazing. You actually were a co-author of a book about him. Um, you write kind of something like that. Is that wrong? And then no, also some, you something like that. But yeah, let me correct you. So, yeah. so yeah, it was really cool. That's how I got my start. Um, and it was OLN at that time. Um, another reporter couldn't do it. So I got called at the very last minute in 2004 to go over to the Tour de France and be assigned to Lance. And I ended up doing the tour for nine years, which I had so much fun doing. Um, so I, I did it from, I think, 04 to 12. Uh, and the Lance thing, though, it was fun because not only was that the heyday, right, for him and therefore American attention to cycling, but, I, you know, look, I mean, I was full in. Like, I wasn't there even though I was assigned to Lance. There would be days where I'd go off and do a lot of other things and, and other work. And one of the guys I got to know at the time was one of his teammates, George Hincapie. And that's who I wrote the book with okay. and on, kind of. And, you know, the thing that fascinated me about George, and still to this day, I'm fascinated by it, um, is George was so good himself. So it's kind of fun that we're doing this podcast right now, because any of your listeners that are cycling fans know in the spring, there are these one-day races that are very, very important and very famous on the cycling calendar. They're kind of as a group referred to as the spring classics. Those are kind of coming to an end. Well, that's where George was really, really good in these one-day races. In fact, the best result, the main one that he's known for is the hardest possible race you can do on the cycling calendar happened um, either a week or two weeks ago. I forget what it was, but it's called Perry-Roubaix. It's referred to as the hell of the North. It's on cobblestones. It's like, it's just, you know, right. It basically rips people to shreds. And George one year finished second. And then another year he was on his way to winning and basically his bike broke. And so back to my fascination with him was here was a guy that in the spring deserved to be put on the highest pedestals in cycling, right? And, and earned his way to the highest parts of podiums. But in the summer, he just worked for Lance. Like he put it all aside. He put all the glory aside. He was just Lance's teammate. And that's why we called the book, The Loyal Lieutenant, because I just thought that really resonated with here's a guy that unwaveringly supported Lance in all the stuff that he was trying to accomplish. The, the, you know, the other reason I was fascinated by George was, you know, he admitted to doping and, and, you know, a lot of these cyclists that were part of that era, their admissions 
either reach different levels or, or I'm a big fan of the word resonance, right? They, they resonated differently because of either who they were or, or, or how right the, the circumstances came about. So I found I really wanted to touch on that in, in the book and, and we needed to, right? Because it was just, it was just facts. Um, but yeah, I mean, is cycling a different sport now? Certainly, right? Are all sports different than they were 20 years ago? I think right. we'd all agree. Yeah. You know, so I'm not, um, going to make any, you know, overall far reaching comments about is the sport better or isn't it? I mean, I, back to George in this book, I, I was fascinated by him as a person. And, and again, it goes back to this idea of storytelling, right? That, that I do, or I try to do in microcosms in every bull riding telecast. Um, and, but when you get a chance to do it in a longer form, I, I, I like it. And I think I'll probably write another book. So if you guys want, you know, there you go. You know, yeah, Tanner, let's, 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 let's write let's your book. It. Let's do it. Well, I was going to say part of my book, if I was going to be a cycler, I'd probably be doping too. I guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah, just to be honest. Yeah, let's be honest. But no, I thought that was pretty fascinating because Lance Armstrong is such a, a huge name and you happen to be right there with him through all that sort of uh, that era and then got to write about it too. So people can go check out that book, Loyal Lieutenant. Well, yeah. And, and hey, the other thing that I loved about my time with Lance is, you know, Lance actually, I mean, yes, it's well documented that he can rub a lot of people the wrong way. But what I always found fascinating with me he was always very respectful and and it became sometimes it was a fun chess match because keep in mind right at the time there was nobody in the cycling world more famous right so especially when the tour de france was going on i mean he had everybody coming at him but because of my relationship right with the american network oln and then it became versus and then it became nbc sports network right he understood the obligation to more often than not, you know, either come and talk to me or, you know, give me perhaps some attention that he might not have given others. But, you know, look, there were days when he he'd try to F me right and left like they would park their 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 car that was his in a certain spot just to draw the media away so that they could like slip out the proverbial back door somewhere else. So what I enjoyed the most in the latter years, especially during his comeback was it was game on. Like it was his wits against my wits. Like, yeah. like if he was going to try to fake me out, I wasn't going to get faked out more often than not. Right. So I found that fun. I made, I turned it into a game because you know, we would sit by these buses and by these cars for hours, just hours on end, waiting for that like one minute interview. And again, it was all part of the game. It was fun. I got, you know, I got paid to drive around Europe for a decade and, you know, drink great wine. So I, nobody's, yeah. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that part of the job I made even more fun by turning it into a game the years that he was there. I love it. So the like the positive outlook and then just, you know, being able to jump into all different aspects, whether it be like bull riding, a sport that you didn't know much about, but you have the confidence, I feel like, in yourself to be able to learn and know that you can figure it out, whether whatever that might be. So what fascinated me about you also is is the the originality of you getting into broadcasting, which I think is really cool 
that goes along with this podcast of the the no resume tour and kind of like the rest of us on here we just try to figure out what we can do next right we're not yeah. we don't have all the per se education and a job that we followed our whole lives we all kind of just figured it out as we went and a, a perfect hashtag of shooting your shot was what you did to to get into this broadcasting world right yeah, no, dude. I mean, it was it's pretty incredible. And I would say to anybody that is is still with us at this part of the podcast, <laughs> you know, I I am a um perfect example of hard work and and basically not letting people tell you you're you're not good enough. And then the last thing, which I'll touch on now because of your question, is not being afraid to reach for what you want. I mean, right. I think we could all probably list, if not on one hand, maybe two hands that the people that we know and might even be close to close to us, right. That sometimes want to go for something, but for whatever reason, you know, they're just hesitant. And, and it's not always my confidence that makes me do it. Sometimes it's, it's my fear. It's weird, right. It's almost like, and I'd love to hear you guys, you know, talk about this, but sometimes I'm almost motivated more by the fear of, of failure or the, the fear of wondering what if than I am by whatever I think the possibility of success is. You know what I mean? So, so that's how I did what I'm about to tell you. So I was, I was racing at this event in Hawaii and the organizer put on a number of shows during the year, um, not only sports shows, but kind of like travelogue shows and all this stuff. His, his name, this gentleman is still, still around. His name is Tom Kiley. And he ran, he was working for the Hawaiian, basically Hawaiian tourism board for a number of years. And they put on these events that I used to attend in Hawaii. And it was the one stop in the US where we could kind of be professional athletes. So one year after I was done, um, I, I, I knew I wanted to kind of think about my next phase. I didn't know if it was going to be sports broadcasting. I knew I wanted to stay in the sports world. So I didn't know if it was going to be sports management, you know, what advertising, whatever it was going to be. But I walked up to him um, and I basically just said, look, Tom, you know, I, obviously, you know me as, as a successful athlete, but I just want you to know this is what I'm thinking. You know, if you ever have any opportunities to use me, since I know you do television broadcasts, please just keep keep me in mind. And he just you know listened and very thoughtfully said, thank you very much for letting me know. We were um, watching at the time what was the most famous rough water ocean swim ever. It's called the Waikiki Rough Water you know, Challenge. People would come from all over the world to do this, like it was a few miles. So they still do it, by the way. Um, I'm not joking. Five minutes after I had that discussion, he walks over to me, he hands me a microphone and he says, go interview the winner. If you do a good job, I'll keep you here for the next week, all expenses paid, and I'll have you host my Diamond Head Biathlon show for ESPN. And that's how I got my start. That's wow. how I got my start in TV. Never didn't go to journalism school. Clearly, you know, right. Some people are now going, yeah, we can tell. Didn't go, uh, <laughs> didn't go, didn't go to broadcasting school. Right. I mean, in my early years, every job I did, I asked people, you know, what do I need to improve on? What do I need to change? How do I, you know, take whatever I thought at the time was the next step. And it's 
25 plus years later, and I'm not, you know, I'm not proud of a lot of things or I don't allow myself to, to feel, let's say, pride because I just don't think, you know, oh, well, right? What does that get you? But I am, now that I've said that, I am proud when I think about it, that in a career that most people only last in a couple years tops, I've not only lasted in it, but provided for my family um, and, you know, found these ways to transition, you know, like, look, and I, and I don't mean to like turn it around to what we talked about earlier, but it's like with this teams thing, right? I know I'm going to find something else. I'm confident something else eventually is going to fill that six month gap. So after the initial, you know, emotions wore off last year, you just get right. You just get down to business. Kind of like how you guys all know you buck off a bull better not dwell on it. Better freaking get ready and get back to it again. Find something else. And you've been able to do that, right? You talk, we talked about it already too, but 60 different sports, but, um, at one point of this, and I think you're the first one on this podcast that's ever been even around Mount Everest, but uh, <laughs> what what led you to Mount Everest? And was that a journalism piece? Was that a sporting event? What went on at Mount Everest and you being able to, to climb that sucker? Hey, before I answer that, by the way, guys, Jace, I want you to lean a closer, closer to camera. Scott, get ready. How about a golf clap for Tanner's research? Let's let's Boy. just uh, Let's just all give give Tanner some kudos for all That's the That's why we work. call him LT. Yeah. Check out the big brain on Tanner, yeah. pulling all this stuff out. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was on Everest, and I was there. It was a show, believe it or not. Back in 2003, the show was created, um, and, and it was ahead of its time. It was Survivor before Survivor existed meets adventure racing. Okay, so so they... I think they had like a pool of a thousand plus people that sent in tapes and, and right. This is back when you still had to send in an actual tape. You couldn't just tape something on your phone or whatever. So, so out of the thousand plus or whatever it was, they chose 50 people that all came to Moab, Utah, and they were in Moab, Utah for basically a month. And that kind of became the dynamic, which what I'm going to walk you through this story, right? But every location, the athletes would go to for like three to three and a half weeks. And we would come in, the TV people, we would come in, at least as the hosts, we would come in every week and re-engage and shoot our stuff and whatever. But like the athletes and the experts and the camera crews and, you know, and the producers, they were there, like they would be there for a month. Then they'd move the whole circus to it to another place, right? So we started in Moab. They had, um, I believe it was it was like a tribunal, and I may get this wrong, but they had four or five, kind of like the Jeff Probes, right, of, mm-hmm. of of the whole thing, and they would decide. They'd put them through all these drills, you know, team building stuff, whatever, athletic contests, and then out of the fifty, they chose twenty four to go to Aspen, Colorado. And so we were in Moab, I believe it was November of 2002. Then December, they were all in Aspen. So you can imagine, right? I mean, this was part of the mountaineering and the snow and you know everything else that they'd start to deal with on Everest. So there they took 24 in the same group of experts, um, only selected 12 to move on. So those 12, went to 
and I think I'm going to be right when I say this, the Kalahari Desert. So we all went to the Kalahari. Uh, by the way, I've got a crazy spider story for you if we have time from, oh, yeah, from we the got, Kalahari. We've got I, all I, the time in the world, buddy. This is all how much you, guys, you got. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a big fan here. i got to do it right. Of the, of the eight-legged creatures, I, I do not... Do not like them. I don't know how many how many of those poisonous suckers you get up in Canada, but it's probably too cold. It's probably yeah, too maybe. cold for them to live up there. Or they all fucking packed their bags years yeah. ago. Moved to Australia. <laughs> They've come down to my house. Yeah. <laughs> so 12, 12 people were in the Kalahari. Then they did a really smart thing. Then they flipped the script a little bit. So the experts were there to train them. But now in the Kalahari they had to vote one of their own off. So the 12 had to choose which person they eliminated. And then 11 went to Costa Rica. And so then we were all in Costa Rica, full on jungles of Costa Rica doing all this stuff. Then the 11 in Costa Rica, and now I think we're like in February of, of, 20, of you know, 2003. In Costa Rica, they had to choose nine out of the 11 to move on. Then those nine went to Iceland. Holy and in Iceland, they brought the experts, they gave the powers back to the experts because this was the final cut before the expedition. Out of those nine, they chose five to, to go to Mount Everest. So they basically left from Iceland to start their literal trek to Mount Everest. We, as the TV crew, got to wait about a month because just, again, they needed to acclimate better and the logistics and all that sort of stuff. So in April, beginning of April of 2003, I packed my bags. I, I By the way, I had the first, the first brick AirPod I took to Mount Everest with, with a solar charger. <laughs> nice. And we, we, you know, we went there. We went through, we were on the Chinese side, which not a lot of expeditions, certainly at the time or even since, got the opportunity to do it. So that's the northern side of Everest. And the Chinese refer to it as Chumalungma is the, is the, is the name. Um, so you're in the Rongbuk Valley. Um, and it's part of the Rongbuk Glacier coming off of uh, Everest. And we ended up being there for two months. And it was because our five ended up being part of an expedition to help rescue a whole other expedition that got stuck up there. So after they kind of used their time, remember, there's that thing called the death zone, where if you spend too much time at a certain altitude, which I, again... My, 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 my guys, Conrad Anker and Peter Whitaker, they were my two experts that I worked with who, by the way, Google them. They're very big names in the mountaineering community. Um, I forget exactly where the death zone is. So something like 22.5 to 23, it kind of starts. And our crew helped rescue a bunch of people. So they had to come back down and start the whole, you know, few week reacclimation process to go back up. Um, but but it was it was a crazy experience. The Chinese government, by the way, ended up coming in one day and trying to shut us down. We had to hide all of our gear. They like broke down the studios. Um, you know, we had a control room, everything. They like the tapes that we had, 
Um, we had to hide in like sleeping bags. It was all part of this deal. We were trying to be the first expedition to truly do from start to finish a live feed of the expedition. And the Chinese basically got pissed and they ended up basically doing one themselves before we we did ours so that they could, you know, they could claim. But, you know, look, I, I give the whole gang. Um, I believe the gentleman's name was John Irwin, who who created it. Um, but the whole gang at Outdoor Life Network at the time, um, it was it was a big, big production. And it was it was pretty cool. There's a photo, by the way, and, and hopefully you don't Google this because I think it's so funny. But I, I had a birthday party, a surprise birthday party before I went to Everest. And one of my <laughs> lifeguard buds, his wife made me what we called a yak speedo. Like she <laughs> sewed white fur into a speedo and they basically dared me to jump into a glacial pool up on Mount Everest. And not that I want any of your viewers or even you three to dare me to do anything, but I used to have kind of a time in my life where, all right, go ahead, dare me. I'm going to, I'm going to do it then. And so there's a photo of me that made the rounds. It's probably still there, right? Cause nothing dies on the internet. Um, made the rounds of me up on Everest in a yak speedo 10 seconds before I jumped into a glacial pool, 37 degree water. And it was very cold. <laughs> we found it. Let's see it. <laughs> That's funny. There it is. You oh. know what, actually, Jace, you know what's funny about that photo? Funny, not funny? Is that, again, any of anybody you know that's a mountaineer or, you know, has spent time at altitude, um, when you're there for a long time, you know, your body, right, you can't eat enough calories. Your body ends up um, metabolizing, I'll call it, your muscles first. You know, it's, it's one of the reasons why there are no fat farms on Mount Everest, right? It's not, it does not burn the fat. It burns your muscles. So I lost 25 pounds Holy. in my two months on Mount Everest. And that photo was taken towards the end of it. And every time I see that photo, I just cringe because I look like a skeleton. Holy 25 shit. pounds. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, my next are... question, it's obviously <laughs> true. It is as gnarly as they fucking say it is and bodies well, and, and stuff. And I, mean, I, I didn't, right? My job was to talk about the climbers. Yeah. I never I, really I noticed couple, that close there, Craig, a... but you look, yeah, you look like you've been starved. <laughs> I, well, basically, I, I kind of was. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there, are, there are only so many um, power bars and, and 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 little tiny birds running around, you know, the, the valley that they could shoot and kill and you know bring us for dinner. <laughs> man, no shit. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's wild, man. It's so cool. And and like I say, some of the research that I've done here, I could question you for a couple hours, but I know you're a very busy man. You were just in Billings last weekend and you're still rolling steady here, finishing out the uh regular season of the yeah. PBR, which we have a great a great race um, coming up with the world championship contenders and Cooper Davis making a big push now at the finals. But I always wanted to kind of ask you as you've been around since like 2005 and um, you get to work with McBride all the time and that, you know, he's one of my heroes for sure. But yeah. is there some of the guys, you know, over the years that have stood out for you, maybe due to the fact of their riding 
or maybe just their character. You know, lots of times people don't get to see these guys behind the scenes, but they all have their own story. And that was a big part for me of getting on that main tour was these guys are at the highest level, right? They're riding, they're, they're top athletes. Um, but they all kind of have something to them mindset wise, or, or that's got them to that next level. A guy like you, that's been around for a long time, an athlete yourself, one of the best ever in the world. Is there some guys that stand out for you from over the years that, that, you know, stand a little bit more than others? Oh, of course. I mean, the short answer is yes. Much like you said, you know, we could talk a lot longer on this podcast about some of the things I've done. I feel like I could talk forever about the writers that have impressed me, but uh, but I'll try to just distill it down to a few. Um, and I'll do my best to remember kind of the chronology, I'll call it. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is Galerme, you know, and, and again, for your new listeners, Galerme Marchi, just to get his last name in there. Um not only is we all know one of the best and most consistent writers ever, you know, he was basically in terms of how Pacheco has finished, I think, what, four times second overall, you know, remember Galerme was kind of like that too. Yeah. And, and, and the, I guess it was the year 2007, right? McBride's second win that was just right. So crushing and gut wrenching to over him. Slap. Right. I think that was right. the one over where the slap. Right and, you know, and 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 I just always admired not just Galerme for who he was as a writer, but this is what I'm finally getting at, who he was as a person. Yeah. And, and that's for me, again, everybody sees them as writers. But Tanner, you touched on it. Right. And, and Scott and Jason, you know it, too. I, I mean, it's it's the people. It's who they are as people that I always find not only interesting, but back to the word I've used a few times, you know, that I resonate with. So Galerme was, was one of them. Um, you know, the next, the next guy I think is an obvious one for everybody. And that's JB Mooney. I mean, J, JB to me, if he's not the right, the best, he's certainly in the conversation of top three ever, ever. in the history of PBR. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, if not ever. Right. Because it was that mentality, that right, that we all loved and that, you know, right, that everybody that sat next to him in the locker room. Right. To bring that into it. I mean, they were better by simply watching JB mm -hmm. trying, you know, maybe not to emulate the things he did outside of the arena. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you know that was also maybe one of the reasons why I liked him was I liked he talked the talk and he walked the walk and even though from a lifestyle perspective I maybe you know didn't do the same things he was doing I just loved that he was never going to apologize for it and he in his writing backed it up and that goes back yeah. to right the theme that I've now also brought up a couple times which is I'm a big show him you know sort of guy mm -hmm. and JB is a show him right sort of guy and and so I really, really, um, it, you know, really was impressed by him, but enjoyed being a part of the years he was there because he made my job fun. Right. I mean, yeah. it was just exciting to to watch him ride, you know, and, and, and part of because it was not just the duel, but. Part of also because there's such polar opposites, we've all got to respect Silvano, you know, yeah. as well. I mean, because the way he came in and changed the game and kind of the odds he came up against, because remember, you know, this was in the era where 
the the opposite writing styles of JB and, and Silvano, there were some times when I don't want to say rules were changed, but let's just say right rules there were some <laughs> rules were, were fucking changed. Yeah. We can say it. <laughs> you might not be able to, Craig, but we can. All right. So again, I, I'm, I'm not on record as saying it. The three of you are. Yes. Uh, so yeah. we got so you. <laughs> the fact that he still did right what he did. And the fact that yeah. he still is a three-time world champion and the fact that he's still writing and the fact that he is such a good, humble family man, I, I, I impressed, right? Like yeah. all good. And, and, you know, now then, then you come into this, I'll call it the current generation and I'll, and I'll list them off kind of rapid fire, but you've got Cooper Davis, You've got Jess Lockwood. You've got Jose Vitor Leme. You know, I, I appreciate the three of them for all different reasons and the spectacle, I'll call it, that they that they bring to the sport. You know, they, their stories are all unique, of course. Um, I, you know, Cooper, back to, you know, both Galerme and, and Silvano, you know, and the upstanding guys that they are. And look, I, don't get me wrong. I think JB's upstanding as well. You know, people in his inner circle, he'd go to war for them. And, and actually, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say this. A few years ago, JB went to war for me. There, there was a fan on social media that kind of got pretty uppity. And I don't ever answer anybody, right? Like, my presence is there. If people want to go off and call me this or say good job or do whatever, I, I appreciate it. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But basically, I found out all of a sudden because somebody said, hey, did you see what JB did? And I was like, no, whatever. JB just tore into this guy who had been, I guess, on my butt on social media for whatever reasons, right? And you know, to JB's credit, he was like, back the fuck off. You don't you know, <laughs> know who the fuck he is. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Right. I don't yeah. need to get into it. Typical JB. But I, you know, look, I, I've never forgotten that because yeah. I don't need, you know, I, I know what I'm signing up for, let's say, doing the job that I do. So I have a pretty thick skin. But it never hurts, right? If you got somebody like JB Mooney ready, you know, ready yeah, to fight sure. somebody on your behalf. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. can bum a dart if you need to. So yeah, yeah. So so, yeah. so, so again, back to Coop, Jess, and, and Jose. I mean, we've all watched it, right? It's just been such an amazing era to to now be a part of, and and the right the young guys who are coming up now are learning from them. And, and not only getting their feet wet, but starting to put, you know, their own stamp on all of this. I mean, Lemmy to me is as special as JB, right? I mean, he, he, he will, when it's all said and done, break every record and deserve to be called the best ever. I mean, as long as he can stay healthy, right? I yeah. think we'd all agree on that. I mean, that's always the caveat with everybody. And and by the way, Tanner, you mentioned Cooper and Billings and winning that. How about him saying what he said at the end of the interview, dropping that bomb that he that he felt his groin go. Yeah. So fingers crossed, you know, that that he's healthy enough to stay in the mix these last couple of events to because we all know it's it's gonna go down to the last round of the finals. Like mm -hmm. yeah year and like it did the year four and you know it might not be 
a, a duel like we've sometimes seen. It could be 15 guys, right? The points are there for anybody in the top 15. If they get on a heater, they could win it this year. It's it's yeah. it's exciting. Yeah, especially with the shortened season and all the injuries that we've seen throughout the year too, yeah. right? It, it comes down to staying healthy, as it does every year. But with it being so short, like I've talked before in this pod, usually we're at the summer break right now and we get a little bit of a break, right? There's no break. You're going right to the World Finals now. Oh, yeah. No. And look, I may not, again, um, some of your fans might not like to hear this, but I am such a traditionalist in sports that I really feel there is such value in keeping the individual season and what we'll call kind of now the non-team season as big as it's always been, because I just feel like you're going to want that historical comparison. Hopefully when the PBR is celebrating its 60th anniversary, hopefully they don't dilute the the individual season to prop up teams at any time. And, and that there's been chatter of that. And I don't know what you guys have heard, but I hear different versions of that. And I'm such a fan of the history of bull riding and, you know, going back to the name of your podcast, right? I mean, we, I feel like the sport needs to keep the integrity of, of what got it here. And again, those are decisions that I'm not going to be a part of. And who knows, right, if I'll even be part of the commentary stuff when those transitions are made. But, but that's just me from a sporting standpoint. You know, I would say that about name, name your other sport. Yeah, anybody. <laughs> oh man, this has been this has been wicked, and uh, knew it would be, as you are are good at talking as you do for a living. So that helps our <laughs> job a lot. <laughs> so that is awesome, buddy. But before we uh, before we let you go, Scott, as always, our infamous question that we always ask. Well, Craig, it's good to talk to you again, and and I had the opportunity to work with you in um, what town were we? We were out east. Moncton. We were in Moncton. Yeah. Moncton. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I know you're a humble guy, but when you walked in the room, I'm like, oh, my God, there he is. He's right That's there. He's right there. That's Greg right. Hover, right? <laughs> so it, it was, and, I, and you can ask these guys. I talked about you for, like, a long time afterwards. I'm just like, that was for, an amazing. For at least four minutes, right? At least four minutes. <laughs> yeah. Left the room. So. No, but legitimately, it was the experience of a lifetime for a guy that, that – hadn't done it a whole bunch to stand beside you and learn from you. And I know we, you were that kind of guy that we could just chat afterwards and before. So I thank you for that. Um, you are the best at what you do. And, and yeah, I'm just honored to be able to sit beside you for two hours, one night and, and learn a lot. So anyway, this is the NFP podcast. We do have our take on it. What is yours? Again, guys, I, <laughs> I feel like I want to try to keep it family friendly, but I mean, no. clearly you, you've had other guests say exactly what what the what your yeah. meaning is. It's been a mixture. Yeah, everybody's got their own. Yeah, so, so let me try to, in the moment, be creative, be the wordsmith that you know I think of myself as, and you know, feel free to you know say negative. You know, survey says no or whatever. Um, <laughs> no flipping penguins. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> back to, back to my back, back to my love of the Madagascar movies. Yeah, no Smile shit. And Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. wave. Pure gold. Well, I know what uh, what Scott was talking about, Hummer, when you um talked about like when you walked in the room and when you talk about coming in at like 2006, 2007, I was around that 14, 15 year old age, right? And you're watching or watching you on TV. So and I did first get on tour and then, you know, you always do, you come in the room before the events and you kind of do some research and you talk to the guys about what bull they have. And then that can kind of help you with the broadcast. And I still remember, I think it was Phoenix, my first event when you came in there and same as Scott, it's like, Holy fuck guys, that's Greg Hummer. Cause you want, you know, yeah. on TV. Right. And then, so then to be able to become friends with you and then chat about different things over the years, then you joining us on, on the pod here, it has been pretty cool and, and fun that bull riding has brought all of us from all different types of life together. That, sorry to interrupt there, but that is one cool thing. When you come to Canada that time, let's be honest, you didn't know many guys in that bull riding dresser, but you walked in there, shook everyone's hand, got to know a little bit about them. And that was a good lesson for myself because you can take that into the broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and one hell of a mentor on tequila tasting. <laughs> yes yes you guys noticed that jace jace finally spoke up he finally like I, I, I don't know. did you just wake up jace or did you like you know, i mean i appreciate oh, well lt lt like he's scott and i just hang around here we just like the conversation you know mm-hmm. yeah well I, I i'll give you guys credit now the two of you scott jace you guys are marvelous hanger outers <laughs> <laughs> oh we know we know you guys, have, it seems like maybe you guys have made a career out of being really good at hanging out with Tanner. Yeah, like riding, riding the coattails, you know what I mean? Right. Hey, weird fact about Moncton. Do you guys know that was the first time that I ever met Andrew Alvidrez? He was up for that event. Oh, yeah. No, no there you shit. Go. Yeah. Out of world. Moncton, yeah. New Brunswick. And, yeah. and and look and look at him now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he came up a few times up here, yeah. just sporadic. Like never come for two weeks and work a few events. Just fly to the farthest one we had. And just come to one. Hey, the other thing, by the way, besides the great dinner, right, Jace, that we had the, before the event, we you you took us yeah. all out, or, or your team, you know, right? We all went out and had that great seafood and steak and everything else. Um, the other thing that I remember about that trip, which is really funny, I'm a Marriott guy. And the one Marriott hotel, I don't know if it's, you know, if the town's blown up and, you know, there's like 20 Marriott's now in, in Moncton, but the one hotel, and I forget if it was just a Marriott or, you know, what it was, but they upgraded me. This is embarrassing, but they upgraded me to the presidential suite. Yes. Like I literally was on the top floor of this hotel and it was like five rooms. And I remember like taking photos and calling my family and being like, you're not going to believe this shit. (laughs) No, that's what we do. That's what we do when you come to town. Yeah. 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 I was like, I was was all me. Exactly. Who thought, you know, I was anybody, but I'm in the freaking presidential suite. So I, I, yeah, I I used every, you know, right. I used every towel. I, I jumped in every bed. I sat on every chair. Yeah. Hey, so, your points. You talk about points at a Marriott. Yes, that reminds yes. me of your story of a guy, the only guy that I know that flew to Australia yes. and back just yes, to keep that's your right. status. We told that story that night. 
Yeah. yeah. Right. The, that was United that, though, right? For United Airlines. And that was in the old days, right? When you had to do it kind of and hit your mileage. Now, of course, the airlines are trying to screw us all as, as much as they can. And it's all how much money you spend. But yeah. And I real fast with, with I did it twice, actually, you guys. The Jeez. first time I did it, because <laughs> I didn't know how it all worked, I ended up flying there. We hit basically, we basically hit a typhoon. We had to fly around. It took us like three hours out of our way around this typhoon. So we're basically going to get there, right? Because all I know is the time that it said I was going to leave. So I'm already past my departure time in Australia. And I think, F and A, man, I had all these plans. My wife, Jennifer, was pissed that I was doing this. She's like, you're going to do F and what? You know, you're going to, and I was like, don't worry, don't worry. It'll work out. Well, of course it's, it didn't work out. And, and so when we landed in Sydney, I was in the back row. They had kicked me out of business class because they had downsized the plane and somebody must've offered them just cash for like the business class seat I was in, which no joke, you guys know. I mean, if you're flying to Australia business class, at least from LA, it's like 15 grand. And, mm -hmm. and somebody... I had already ordered my dinner and had two glasses of wine when I got kicked out of first class and moved back to the very back by the bathrooms. <laughs> so I still think I got a chance to make this flight in Sydney. We are, we are, the wheels are like, you know, we're getting jarred as the wheels have just touched down and we're going however many hundreds of miles you are right when you land and, and you first touch down on the runway, I unbuckle my seatbelt and start running up, up the aisle from the back that of the guy. plane. And I basically, like, I basically just decided I'm either going to get arrested and so be it, but I got to try. Like, again, kind of like, like we're talking about, like, you know, if you don't try, how are you ever going right. to, you know, no. Yep. So I get up to the door and the flight attendants are looking at me like nobody reacted. Nobody knew what to do because I must have clearly looked almost like I do now, like a flipping crazed person <laughs> that if they had done anything was going to harm them or do something else. <laughs> and so we've all flown enough. When you land, you still got at least five to 10 minutes of taxi oh, yeah. oh, before yeah. you ever get to the gate. I just sat there. I didn't look anybody in the eye. I just stood right by the door and basically waited for him to pop the latch. And so nobody talked to me. Like literally it was 10 minutes of just, you know, there's that, um, how they have in movies, there's that song Girl from Ipanema, right? That they play in the elevators. <laughs> like that's what I had in my head as we finally got to the gate, door opens, I go screaming out the gate and I, and it was this very attractive Australian blonde woman, by the way, who was the gate operator. I'll never forget that. And I screamed back at her. I'm like, where's the gate to Los Angeles? And she goes, I got no idea, mate. You know, like, <laughs> fuck. And I'm running, I'm running like through the Sydney airport. I see the transit zone, right? So you don't have to go through customs. And I think, Oh, sweet. All right. I'm going to save some time. I can loop back. So I go through the transit area and the, and the, the Australian kid is just looking at me like, 
what's going on, man? Where are you going? And I said, I'm going back to America. We just landed. I'm about to miss my flight. Can I get, you know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just go through or whatever. So I run through, I see a screen. The screen says that the, that the plane to Los Angeles is leaving in three hours. <laughs> and I'm like, what? It was right. Like, and this was before I, I didn't get updates on my phone like we do now or, you know, whatever it was. And so I decide I see the Lufthansa lounge because I'm a United guy. And so I walk in. I am drenched like I'm literally it looks like I've taken a shower in my shirt from running through the airport. And I go up to the desk and they're like, sir, is, is everything OK? And I said, well, I don't know. I mean, you guys are going to tell me, you know, like I was still in like confrontational mode. And so she's like, it's okay, sir. Let me explain something to you. The plane you're going back to America on is the plane you were just on. (laughs) You have plenty of time. Why don't like literally she was talking to me like any of us would talk to our kids. She was like, you just need to relax. There's plenty of food. There's beer. There's wine. Whatever you need, we'll tell you when it's time to board your flight. Oh, is it the same flight attendants on the way back? No. Uh-uh. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, "Okay, uh, we're gonna have this to chain guy. this guy." In. <laughs> that is uh, to to this day kind of the way you set it up, Tanner. I mean, people just think. What? But here's the weird thing. So on the flight back, I say, like, I'm like, you guys aren't going to believe, you know, this happened, blah, 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 or whatever. And they're like, yeah, sir, we have people do it all the time. Like, like they they could have cared less. Like they were like, yeah, you're not so special, man. Um, Yeah. We see one of these a month. Yeah. That's insane. We see one of these crazies every month. (laughs) That's, That's the last point, right? I'll leave, I'll leave with your viewers is, just when you think you're all that, yeah, they'll up one up you. Yeah. So always stay humble, right? Always keep in mind yeah. somebody's always got a better story than you do. That's right. Oh, that's, that's good. It. Do you want to touch on the mental uh the mental performance coach before we go? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, that it's kind of cool. I mean, it's something that I really um, or at least I think it's kind of cool. It's something that I have kind of morphed and considered for a number of years, and I finally figured out a way to to bring it, let's call it to fruition. You know, I've always been fascinated and we've talked about this in a few different ways during the podcast. You know, I've always been fascinated by champion athletes and the mentality that separates the, the really good ones from the great ones. Right. And again, I think the four of us all know people that have done it if not been able to do it ourselves right in our own endeavors and things like that. And so the mental performance side of stuff was something that I don't want to say came naturally or easy to me, but it was something when I was a competitor and something that I kind of followed through with in my TV career, it was something that I felt I was good at. And so that was originally how I wanted to move into this mental performance space um, as a, as a coach because I thought I would be kind of expounding, you know, my wisdom. But interestingly enough, what I've chosen to done is to do, excuse me, is there's this company called IPEC. And, and instead of it being about, let's say, the coach, 
what they teach you really is to is it's all about using the energy of the clients to draw right to draw out what they're truly after and i'm now in the midst i've you know been doing this now for a few months it's going to take me a year to get it's not really a masters there's an accreditation that comes with it but it's basically like a masters um and because i had thought of getting my masters in sports psychology for a number of years i'm i'm kind of happy that i settled on this kind of different angle into it because what i really want to do and guys look maybe we can uh, all all start a business together but you know i'm going to go into my rolodex with all the athletes i know and i've already approached a few bull riders on tour and asked them if they'd be receptive because i have to do uh, as part of my training i've got to do 10 you know app interviews yeah. uh, to to actually you know prove that i can kind of do this stuff so maybe i'll call the three of you maybe we'll do a podcast and it'll be just an interview but 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 this IPEX stuff again back to it. It's it's all about using what they have termed the seven different levels of energy to maximize not just your potential, but how you actually get what you truly either desire or or what it is right that that's important to you. So um, I've always been a huge um, proponent in energy. And, and again, to use the word I've, I've now used four other times, the resonance of things, you know, right? If we all stop and listen more than perhaps, even though I've talked a lot over the past hour and a half, if we all really just stop and listen sometimes, you can feel things, right? Or you can, you know, whether you call it the universe talking to you or, right, people that are religious refer to it, you know, it's their God, you know, or things like mm -hmm. that. I do think... That's all out there to tap into. I, I can speak for the three of us. Our wives tell us that all the time. <laughs> we just stop and listen. Uh, fuck. Gotcha. <laughs> I, hey, by the way, mine does too. My, my, my wife is, is the biggest non-sports fan, aside from the Boston Bruins, by the way. We haven't talked hockey yet. Wow. So, so she's a huge Bruins fan, but, she, but it's hilarious. One more story, and it, it's not the mental performance stuff, but – it's very funny when I shared this with McBride. Jennifer actually one time said to me, she goes, you know, bull riding stuff. You've done it for so long. I just really wish you'd cover a real manly sport like hockey. And I was like, uh, oh, below. honey, <laughs> did you just hear actually what you said? She goes, oh, yeah. I know what I just said. There's oh, wow. Nobody tougher than hockey. That's a good one. And I said, well, I can't wait to tell Justin that. And, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, that's good. <laughs> All right, Hummer, we appreciate you, buddy. This has been good. Yeah. I know people are going to love this. The stories and uh, the things that you've done is pretty cool. And we didn't get to touch on all of them. So if people do get to do it, go check out your book. Uh, go check out Google and do some research on, on you. And we'll have you back someday to, to get into some more of the stuff. Hey, it, it's all good. And like I said, before we started recording, I, I, I just want to thank the 95 other people that were busy today. So you finally, you know, you <laughs> me as, number, as number 96, because this has been a, this has been a fun, this has been a really fun chat, not only, you know, getting to see and hear you guys, but just noticing how the sun is coming out in Canada, isn't it? That's because, right. because, I'm either way too tan or you guys are way too pale. You guys might want to adjust, adjust your, you know, your TV sets. 
Yeah, I stay like this at all times. <laughs> you know, the moon will burn you also. You Just be careful. All right, Craig, we appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for joining us on the NFP podcast. Love you guys. See ya. Go to church on Sunday, party on Monday, and every other day of the week. We're just a bunch a party Where?